0: And welcome to the 26th episode of Slime Time SideQuest, an official Dragon's Den podcast. This is one of your hosts, Platy M3.
1: Ha ha, you talked first. What do you mean? I always talk first. Yeah, but this is our countdown show. You're now officially in the number three position. What? We're doing the top three countdowns tonight, so... Coming in as our number three co-host here on Slime Time SideQuest in 2021, it's Palladium3!
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, wait a minute, but... But what? Angus, is it just me, or does this intro kind of seem familiar?
1: Is it? Yeah, maybe you're just imagining things.
0: Uh, no. These opening lines, like, they seem awfully similar to something we've done
1: before. So it's like deja vu.
0: no. Not like that. It's like the sensation or feeling like, I don't know, you've been repeating an action or something.
1: Yeah, it's called deja vu, Platy.
0: Bless you, Angus. Your allergies
1: acting up? That's not usually the time of year, I think, for those. Platty, look, it's, you know what, never, never mind. Uh, let's just say that things uh, did seem familiar, because tonight we'll be talking about our favorite games we played for the first time in 2021. Oh yeah! We did an episode like this? before this is like total deja vu oh my god i just said that
0: See, angus i i told you that's what it meant no you didn't i kept saying that we'll be talking about our favorite games of 2021 yes you sure did say that yes yes i did and what better way to end the year with another set of these episodes? Tonight will be part one of our 2021 favorites. Uh, kind of like last year, this episode will cover games that we played for the first time in 2021. These are definitely not all 2021 releases. Um, they, they might be, but a lot of them that we'll be talking about are games that have been in the, bleh, released in the past that we finally got around to playing.
1: Mm-hmm. So, joining us tonight... We have a real cast of characters to tell us of their favorite games that they played this year, whether they were released in 2021 or not. Uh, please welcome Barurian. What's going on? Blue Star. Hello. Jay. Hello. <laughs> and Matt Craft. Hello. Alrighty. And we, we'll have to uh,
0: wait for the BBJ a little bit later. Um We're going to we're going to start with Matt Craft, kind of go through Matt Craft straight through tonight. Uh, Our man has got himself a new job. He's in the middle of uh, switching that up. So he's not going to be able to be a late nighter with the rest of us tonight. So uh, we'll get through him and his uh, three games that he want to talk about. And then we'll kind of cycle through the rest of us as we have some good discussion. So, Matt Craft, take it away. What what, what was your, in third place, coming in in third place, Matt Craft's third favorite game you played this year? Well, in
2: third place is something I recently started playing. It is called Ragnarok Origins. It is a ground-up remake slash remaster of the 2003-ish MMORPG called Ragnarok Online. Borrowing slightly from Norse mythology, it also has a long-spanning accompanying manga series, as well as a full anime, which is, I think, on Crunchyroll. There is a lot of side games in the Ragnarok franchise, ranging from Ragnarok Online Ace for the Vita, Platy, to a uh, Million different clicker games on mobile devices. Ragnarok Origin is on mobile, but plays well off of emulators and whatnot, like the original title. It's click based, has PvP, guilds, guild PvP, and it's one of those old school pixel games that I know and love forever. So,
0: I mean, I've heard of Ragnarok Online, it's always around. I don't, I've never really played it online. MMORPG other than my little 10 day dalliance with uh, Dragon Quest 10, but um, so this is basically that game but more modern pretty
2: much sadly it does go the way of the mobile and has in game items that you buy and all that junk except so far I haven't had that much of a problem with it in
0: game purchases
2: pay, yep you know like every other game almost in existence you can buy coins Ooh. or whatever it's called and you get the point from there
3: Boo. in game purchases. Boo.
4: No play I'll to win. You Did you that. say
1: boo or boo earns?
4: Uh, boo earns.
1: I was saying boo earns. <laughs> 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 so, All
0: right. So, like, are you emulating this or are you playing
2: it on your phone? I'm actually playing it on my Chromebook. Chromebook has. But the newer Chromebooks have native Google Play support, and all I had to do was just open up Google Play and download it. Since it's click-based in the first place, it works perfectly.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. so how how many days in a row have you played come on you know you know you get that
2: bonus honestly i have not played it any days in a row i play it maybe an hour or two every once in a while when i have the time Mm. so it's very friendly towards that although it does have daily quests and all that junk you can do you can just turn it on play it for a couple hours and bam you're done
0: so why has this been occupying some of your mobile gaming time
2: nostalgia I played Ragnarok Online for well over 10 years when I was growing up. It was my high school MMORPG, and I kind of played it with a group of people for a long time after that. Never liked WoW. Hmm. So what are some of the quality
0: of life improvements over the original?
2: Well, it does have an auto battle system where you just kind of let it sit and do its own thing after you click on something on the screen. That's one main quality of life extra. Some of the old school players on it consider it... uh, I'm sure you might be familiar with the term botting, using an external program to make it do what you want to do. There's also, they've integrated more quests and things like that as the original title was based out of Korea, like a lot of the other R.P.G.s at the time that were not American. American. Mm-hmm. So it has everything quest-wise from the get-go it has quests storylines daily quests mainly the quest system is the major quality of life addition to it otherwise than that it's just like the classic run online for me just with a giant thing sometimes it pops up that says hey you're gonna buy some coins so you can get this new looking item <laughs> and i can say with all confidence that i said no I and we don't my need my to boo you that much I spend my money on better things, like Black Friday Nintendo Switch sales.
0: There you go. All right. So, speaking of Black Friday Nintendo Switch sales, I bet your game number two was not on a Black Friday Nintendo Switch sale because this is a uh, pretty recent, and it's not on Switch at all. Nope. So there's some, there's a there,
2: there that's another boo. Bring
0: bring and back on crap what's your uh, game number two that you've uh, played this year?
2: Well, I'm sure all of you have seen the news from last year going up to this year about the Final Fantasy Pixel Remaster Series, which is literally every single mainline Final Fantasy release, one through six, remastered in pixels. Just like it says, it takes the original game and makes it prettier for mobile and or PC devices. My game 2 is specifically the remaster of Final Fantasy 5. I actually only own Final Fantasy 1, 3, and 5 as the pixel remasters go. I chose 3 because 3 is a full-up remake for this Nintendo version, and 1, well, Everyone knows one. But Final Fantasy V has always been my personal favorite Final Fantasy. The class system, along with the storyline, just kind of clicked with me. It's Mm kind of basic from the start, but dude on a chocobo wandering around everywhere, and then a meteor falls from the sky. That makes an interesting intro. Final Fantasy V... Has the get has a I want to say what we saw as the first U.S. based job system, excepting of course, Tactics. I think that came out before Final Fantasy Collection on the PS1. Well, but the didn't, jobs didn't.
0: Didn't Final hmm? Fantasy One have a job system?
2: Technically, but you didn't get to switch jobs whenever you wanted in the game. You were stuck being your jobs.
0: So you of know, course, I guess if you wanted jobs, you just needed to wait a couple months and play Dragon Quest Three then. Yep, but okay, okay,
2: back to Final Fantasy (laughs) 5. Anyway, uh, the main thing that I liked about the Pixel remasters, except obviously the Pixels, is that they completely redid the soundtracks for the game. Of course, it's MIDI orchestra, but they did a really good job on it. And even though it's Pixels, and you would expect a chiptune soundtrack, it fits it really well. Uh, I guess basic storyline of Final Fantasy V, the typical four four crystals that govern the world are in peril and you play as the archetypical warriors of light as you go around the world saving the crystals. You have Barts, or as the original Japanese release fam- famously and funnily named him. Butts is a wanderer that literally wanders the world on his chocobo looking for some... There's also Lena. The princess of the country of Tycoon who leaves the castle looking for her father who started off the story by going to check on the wind crystal. There is Gallif, an old man who falls out of a meteor that crashes to the sky. Obviously, he has amnesia. Story point. And then the last party member that you find is Faris, a swashbuckling pirate who happens to be a girl. You basically start off, go find the wind crystal... When Crystal shatters and uh, the storyline goes in there, I don't want to spoil the rest of it because it's kind of recent. And I want people to be able to enjoy it for what it is.
5: It's actually funny because Final Fantasy V is the only Final Fantasy that I've actually put a little bit of time in. And I actually really disliked it. Specifically for the reason that the protagonist only joined the journey because he had nothing better to do. That just annoyed me for some reason.
3: (laughs) What better reason to join?
5: I don't know. We don't
3: need some long, arduous reason why.
5: Save the princess. uh, Rescue. uh, Lift the curse on your castle where you are a palace guardsman and uh, basically everything about Dragon Quest VIII. Uh.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Fangirl alert. (laughs) Well, if you do want to get. If you do want to get technical, Bartz does save the Princess's life at the very beginning of the game and then joins the party.
1: And he saves her multiple times later on, too.
2: I thought his name was Butts. But
1: thou must. <laughs> <laughs> but
2: it but is but in, the must. Jap- in the Japanese release. Or wh- who was the people that did it? Was it Aeon Genesis? The people that did the original translation? Whoever did it, his name was Butts because they went with the Japanese thing. Or Batsu? Oh yeah, I heard all
1: about that. Uh, it's Batsu, not Butts, from someone who used to be on the den. I got a whole lecture on that one.
0: <laughs> so basically, we've got a Super Mario Brothers slash Dragon Quest VIII plot line. Mamma mia! Yes, that fits. Quite princess well. cursed castle. Yep. Then you've also got like
1: slacker because you know nothing better to do. Well, really, honestly, that kind of works because um. X-Death, who's the the big bad of Final Fantasy V, he's a real uh, big ham, just like how Bowser usually is. And he has some pretty funny lines, actually.
2: Doesn't he have... Isn't he even a a bigger ham in Dissidia?
1: I think so, but that's also thanks to his voice actor, who was the voice actor for M. Bison in the... uh... Whole Street Fighter games like four and five.
2: I did not know that.
1: Oh yeah, Yeah. he's he's pretty good in that role because he does a good job making X Death just kind of ridiculous. And all all I can think of though is just M Bison wearing a big suit of armor, running around talking about crystals and
2: things.
1: (laughs) But yeah, X Death is for him not being one of the most talked about villains from the series. He actually is. I I personally do like him as a villain just because he's you know he's just so maniacally evil that he's just just so hell bent on taking down the world. Just because he just wants to,
2: <laughs> you know, you know, I do want to allude on something. I spoke about this. I think it's one of the first side quests I've always loved about Final Fantasy VI, where Kefka wins. Without alluding into it further, Final Fantasy V actually, even though it's not to the, it, it's not world-ending apocalyptic X Death actually wins as well, and then you get World Three.
1: Well, technically, it is pretty world apocalyptic because in World 3, he starts opening up the void, which starts destroying the world and the surface of it. So technically, he is one of the villains that ends up winning, too. He just doesn't get quite as much success as uh, Kefka does without going into spoilers. okay, I did not think about that. Hmm.
0: I I, I really, you know, I see people talk about like oh, final fantasy five it wasn't as good as six and whatever i i remember when i played it like that Though out of the first six i think this was my
1: favorite by far i just love job systems yeah five is yeah. definitely one of those ones that it, like depending on who you ask it's either considered like one of the best games or it's just kind of like eh, it's all right
4: but really yeah, it, it kind of depends on if with you with are the more yeah. gameplay
1: focused or if you're more story focused with your rpgs
0: and yeah we know me yeah whatever story and music nah.
1: yeah yep <laughs>
0: But, but the no, protagonist
5: I, uh, is a butt.
1: Yeah, <laughs> he is a butt. That's why. That's why his parents named him that. They're like, "Oh, this kid's gonna be a real ass when he grows up."
5: <laughs> they were Zing. right. They had the oh. gift of foresight.
1: Yep. Yeah, his dad could see the future. Oh man. All right. Well, seeing the you. future,
0: I can uh, predict that we're we're going to move onward at this point to uh, Matt Craft's top game he played for the first time this year.
2: Wow. God. <sighs> okay the top game that i have played this year so far is legend of mana hd remaster which is a mouthful legend of mana is the fourth game in the mana or seiken dinsetsu series and it is not like any other other mana games at all it is very non-linear and you start off with a mailbox after watching the world get torn apart and turned into a bunch of little artifacts. <sighs> you play as a male or female artificer. I actually found out that's what they are. And you play through the game collecting artifacts as you do story, I meant story lot, li- three separate story lines. Okay, well. And as you collect the artifacts, you unlock more of the story, you eventually do crafting, you make instruments that, that serve as the magic system, you make weapons, armor, all that jazz. You also make party members, which are golem, and that's neat as well, because that's an entirely separate crafting game, which involves logic blocks and complicated stuff that makes my head hurt. You also have a full monster catching system that was some, some would make you think of Dragon Quest a little bit because the way you catch them, you go throughout them and give them food and they come and join you and it's so adorable. The main thing I love about Legend of Mana is beyond the battle system, which, if you, I'd have to say, Yangus would be familiar with this thanks to his playing the Saga series. But uh, it's similar to the Spark system, where you generate, generate different skills that you use in battle, as well as weapon and I meant weapon techniques as you play with a very large variety of weaponry. But Legend of Mana is, for better lack of a words, gorgeous. It is one of the most detailed games that I have ever played. Every single map is meticulously drawn, and the HD remake just takes that a complete step further. I have never seen a more beautiful game in my life, and I gotta say, it beats the hell out of these fancy PS5 and Xbox One games that say they're pretty. Legend of Mana HD Remaster also adds a pocket station game called I forgot the name of it, but it's a little board game that uh, you get items from the regular game playing it, mostly materials for crafting. And you can play that any during the main game. Otherwise than that, you guys got any questions about Legend of Mana in particular? How is the golem crafting? Like That's something that absolutely caught my attention. I'm like, I want to make golems. Well, when you unlock the golems. You take a piece of weapon or armor and make the basic building block of it, which compromises the material of the Golem. Then you take other weapons, armor, instruments, things of that item, and you put them all together and you make logic blocks. Logic blocks have skills, stat parameters. You can give your Golem a laser cannon a rocket launcher. If you've ever played Seiken Densetsu three and you get to the part where you fight the 10-man-looking thing on the I mean, on the bridge about maybe at the start of the story, those are the golems that you end up making. And they, I have to say, are the best party member in the game that I've ever seen. That sounds wonderful. I'm going to pick this game up now. Thank you. It's on the Switch and modern consoles. Not that Switch isn't modern. What are they up to? Eighth
0: generation consoles? Is that what they call those now? <laughs> something like that yeah
2: i gotta say that it it look it would probably look even prettier i hate to say it on a ps5 with a decent tv
3: are you saying the switch is inferior
2: well the switch in my opinion probably could not put out the graphical capabilities Of the newest systems. And in my opinion. Legend of Mana. Although I have it on my Switch. And it's great on it. And it looks wonderful on my TV. Probably will look even more wonderful in 4K.
3: So Genesis does what Nintendo. Mm -hmm.
2: Wouldn't
3: that be PlayStation?
2: (laughs) Or hard. Or Xbox. If you want to get on that. Xbox.
5: <laughs> who buys an Xbox?
2: Jeez, that's a good question. Who buys
3: an Xbox? <laughs> just, just get Game Pass. You got it on the PC instead.
5: <laughs> yeah, pretty go. much. No one even needs Xboxes anymore.
4: I don't know anybody who has an Xbox. I'm glad we're all in agreement about that. <laughs> uh, I, I have never
0: bought one, and I remember there was a a brief window where my brother-in-law lived with us and had an Xbox, and I was like, oh wow, I can actually try like a. Uh, was a blue dragon and i bought it and i played it for maybe like a week maybe a five hours into it and i remember him coming downstairs one day he's like oh hey my xbox has the red ring of death i was like oh come on and i've never been in a household for the rest of my life with an
4: xbox in it oh. so <laughs> even <Sad laughs> Blue trombone. Dragon. Was on- i have say, old Xbox. Ex- a uh, blue dragon was on ds so you're not even missing anything there that was a sequel uh, yeah that's a yeah, sequel Oh, i yeah. like it yeah, yeah, and it's
3: and it, it's, it's, it's tactics based. It's not an RPG. It's not a traditional RPG. <laughs> they just
4: it a blue dragon. I played it for two hours. I don't know. <laughs> it's a game all
1: about our own blue. She was turned into a dragon. That's what it is.
4: I thought I was a dragon.
1: Well, then it's a story about you and Blue. You did the fusion dance and bada bing, bada boom.
5: And I erased all memories of it because that sounds kind of horrifying.
1: Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Well, really, when you think about when that happens in, like, Dragon Ball or something, I mean, that has to be weird when you're sharing the body set the timeline. Time. That has to be a weird feeling.
3: Oh, boy. Guess we'll never know.
1: Yeah. Someone call Toriyama. Let's get an answer.
2: <laughs> yeah, we'll get an answer by the time we get, what was it, PlayStation 13 with? I can't remember that scene from Sandland. I think it's Dragon Quest thirteen or fourteen in the uh, yeah, PS, whatever. PS six.
4: PS six. I see that in my Twitter every now and again. Yeah, yeah. Pretty
0: sure it's PS six. Which you know they're they're pretty on pace for that. I mean, by the time we get twelve, it'll
3: be yeah, well into like, the PS five. PlayStation. PlayStation did oh a God. commercial. PlayStation did a commercial once where they advertised jokingly a PlayStation nine. We're getting
4: there.
1: It'll happen sooner or later. Mm-hmm. Eventually. We're in halfway. It's going to be the console that plays you.
4: <laughs> yeah. You have to spend $500 for it, and it, and it red rings immediately. Oh, well, that's Xbox. That, right? Yeah, that, that's going to be the Xbox 256.
2: They went back oh. a few numbers. So, what, the PlayStation, whatever, will have a hard drive failure? I can't remember what the big thing was that messed everyone up with the First came out. Yeah, got to jack like,
4: in to play. It's gonna be like the Matrix. Yeah, launch had that problem. Something about the heat sink.
2: I don't know. Yeah, mm. then they posted instructions on how to fix it. I remember that.
1: Look, whenever you get the red ring of death, all you have to do is wrap your play state or wrap your Xbox 360 in a towel, drop it on the floor, and it'll fix it. It's called home remedies. <laughs> It oh. really did work for people. That really did work. Wait, what? You, you, you never heard of that trick? Or with the Xbox 360? If you got the well, Red it's... Ring of Death and it overheated, you just have to wrap it up in a towel, let it get super hot, and then you drop it on the floor. Then it will work for you again.
0: Okay, before we get more bad advice given to us by... Uh... No, really, it does work. I swear <laughs> to God. It really does work. I'll be checking that up on uh, Snopes.com. Okay, as, Grandpa,
1: uh... Let's let's get you back <laughs> to the home. Back in my day, we used to wrap them up in towels, and we liked it that way. <laughs> and drop them on the floor. That <laughs> drop them on the floor. We had to go uphill fifteen miles just to do it. Both ways, both, both ways, ways. <laughs> in the snow.
0: <laughs> well, that, that that probably would have helped a little bit because I mean it was overheating.
1: It just burnt as soon as it hit the ground. It just all the snow just went. <laughs> it disappeared. Oh man! <laughs> oh, man.
5: To lava. <laughs> yep.
1: Like yeah, pretty much. My like it, it basically just turns the landscape back into uh, springtime or summertime for a few seconds. Bring right, well. a powerful man. But that's
4: what that plant in my carpet was.
1: <laughs> yep, it's. Powerful stuff.
0: Oh, Yangus has just spent the past couple minutes trying to get us to
1: uh, slay our old Xboxes. <laughs> yeah, go dig up your old Xboxes from your basement or your closet or somewhere. But
0: uh, we're gonna we're gonna move on to. Uh, we'll say goodbye to Matt Craft. Matt Craft, good luck at your new job, and uh, have a good evening. You can. You guys have a good night. Catch you
3: later, dude.
1: Tell all the customers about the thing I told you about the Xbox. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, hey, boy,
3: that really
0: that, will, not be be hey, a, that will not be a long tenure at this new job.
4: Oh boy. <laughs> I, I by know, by the like way,
1: crazy.
0: <laughs> I know this has nothing to do with why you're here, but. It's going to be like he's
1: crazy. <laughs> Get him yeah. out of here.
0: Oh. Well, since since my transition was now a minute ago, I, I will go back to uh, reminding <laughs> people that Yagus, uh was trying to teach you how to slay your Xbox. Um. But Brewerian has been slaying something else this year. Brewerian, what is uh, one of your top
3: three games of the year? So this game I played back in... Well, I shouldn't say I played it. I played a very early build of it at a convention, probably back in 2014, 2015. And it was called The Metronomicon. And it's by this uh, studio, this indie studio called Puba. And they eventually released the game on the PC in 2016 and on the PS4 and Xbox the following year, but I never actually got around to playing it until this year when I got it on a really deep discount. But by then, they had added in a whole bunch of extra features that the uh, original version did not have. But what it basically is, is it's a rhythm game that sells itself as a musical RPG. So it's RPG, uh, it's it's an RPG, but it's a rhythm game. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the story revolves around four... Uh, musical students cadets of the neon shield academy Uh, you've got wade your warrior class and your main damage dealer gwen your protector paladin class whose main role is to soak damage you know akin to like a paladin class from dragon quest you've got clark who is your support class and only heals he never deals damage and then you've got your mage class violet who her personality is all about making things explode. The uh, like main source awesome. of damage... I
5: love that.
3: <laughs> oh, yeah. The main source of her is that she does all of your elemental damage for the game. You do have characters that come in later... Uh, in the game as you continue through and play, but these are the four that you start out with. So you who are graduating from the Neon Shield Academy as newly minted rhythmic combat artists are sent out into the world to battle hordes of monsters and defeating them with your dance moves and abilities. The game itself has about 40 or 50 tracks across the game, and the songs generally fall along the lines of EDM, synthwave, and chiptune music. So if you're into that sort of thing, this game should be right up your alley. But it doesn't have an overworld of any kind, just due to the nature of the gameplay, since it's a rhythm game. You basically get kind of a, a singular map for each area that you're in, and you kind of just choose the game that you want to play. But as you do, you, you have access to go between the field and you can go back to the academy to do other stuff if you want to. But um, it there's really not much more to it outside of the actual combat itself. So you've got kind of a, in, inside the academy, you've got a workshop where you can earn extra things to help you in inside combat itself. Um, an interesting feature of the game, though, is that it has... Uh, kind of a, a leaderboard so to speak that you can see you know your friend scores or you know global scores but the game's been out for about four or five years at this point so the global scores are all kind of topped out so there's no real <laughs> real reason to even try for them there's this one guy in the pc version that has the number one spot for every single song in the game on all modes it's absolutely ridiculous <laughs>
0: wow well, way to not have any aspirations of getting any of those spots then
3: yeah no yeah but uh, once you once you're sent out into the world, you'll start clearing the game uh, the game area by area. Uh, when you start in, you know the first area, you're given a list of songs to play. I think you have like eight or ten songs to do. Um, and before you select your song, you can switch in and out party members that you have unlo- um, that you've unlocked. You'll earn the first one in the first area that you're in, so you can change the gears and spells as needed. You can also choose the difficulty of the song, which will you know. Give you indicators on note complexity and how hard it is compared to other songs with like a handy dandy skull meter at the bottom. So, like one, like half a skull, it's super easy, 10 skulls, good luck. Uh, once you've selected your song, though, you're thrown into battle. And this is where the main draw of the game is. Each character will have a board above their heads. So, it's kind of like what's the best way to describe it? Um, If you're familiar with, uh, what's that game, Darkest Dungeon, and you've got your uh, party layout of just four characters on the screen and then your enemies off to the right, um, Mm -hmm. the kind of the position that all of your characters in don't really matter in any meaningful way. But um, that's just the layout of the screen. But like I said, they all have boards above their heads with directional inputs flowing from top to bottom. So think of it like like DDR, but it kind of comes in reverse. Uh, your character on the left will always be the character you start on. Just I guess that's just a design choice. And the notes will begin to fall, and this is where basically all of the mechanics of the game come into play. Each character has a specialized role, like I said before, based on the party loadout that you build in before you go into each song. So when you complete a note, of, uh, a section of notes, like you know, as soon as you hit a note for a character, you'll get a small section to play and um, the section will be ended by a denoted Glowing Arrow, and it will the character will perform an ability based on what you put into that level one slot, because there there's three levels in total. All of your characters only have a level one slot at the beginning, except your mage class, who has two, just based on her, she's your elemental uh, deal, damage dealer, so she needs a little bit more. So if you wanted to perform, like, say, a second or third level spell, you would continue past the first spell that you were casting and you would continue a second kind of section of notes and then you you'll cast the spell as soon as you stop inputting uh arrows as soon as they pass you know and this is all to the beat of the music as it goes on But um, obviously, if you cast level 2 or level 3 things, this takes more time since you need more notes to uh, cast uh, the spell. You can switch to any other character anytime, though, by pressing the left or right bumper on your controller. And I would highly suggest playing this with a controller. Playing it on a keyboard is not a very fun experience. Though with it being a rhythm game, usually you get kind of penalized if you miss any kind of notes. But in this game, as you're switching between characters, you're not penalized for missing uh, arrows unless you don't complete a section to cast a spell, the spell will just drop. But you can miss uh, notes that can mess up combos that help you do higher ability stuff. But uh, as you're doing damage to the enemy, they're also damaging you. So that's why you have Clark, your starter healer class. uh, So he'll cast all your healing spells. Otherwise you'll fail the song if your health bar depletes, basically. Other characters that come in later can replace them if you want. Uh, so they have like a kind of hybrid heal attack and the first character that you get almost immediately her name is Sarah and her class in the game is described as lab coat but she's basically a a sage class because she has uh, attack spells and healing spells so after you clear the song each song can be anywhere from a minute and a half to three minutes depending Um, there's no real way to tell you how long the song is unfortunately it doesn't it doesn't give any kind of indicator before you start the song but once you've finished it you'll earn experience that will level up your characters and improve their stats making things easier for you overall since you'll take less damage you know if you play that song again and obviously help you for later songs since you'll take less damage as you uh you know miss notes or just take damage from enemies The note complexity will never change unless you change the difficulty of the song itself, though. This just makes it harder for you to fail a song no matter what difficulty you're on. So uh, some songs will unlock side quests that will reward you with items, abilities, or creds that help you improve the workshop in the academy. Uh, But the greatest thing about this game, I think, is, you know, in most RPGs, they try to be this serious, high and mighty, high fantasy, or maybe this low sorcery kind of thing to where... Either you're like this grim warrior trying to complete a task or, you know, you're a, um, what was it? A, a a guard who was trying to save a ho- princess that got turned into a horse. I've never heard of this plot line. No, never. Uh, the game, though, itself has a very ridiculous tone about it, as most of the monsters you you encounter are kind of raved out in some fashion. Like you'll have an owlbear wearing neon glasses and waving waving, waving around glow sticks as you fight. Or crocodiles wearing jams and sunglasses while breakdancing. <laughs> so it's got a very it's got a very fun tone to it. Uh, if you're looking for something pretty lighthearted, this is a great game for that. You could beat the game on easy mode and just walk away satisfied if the harder vote mode doesn't do anything for you. And at any time, if you want, you can just go back out to the main menu and enter free play mode and choose from all of the songs in the game. So you never even have to really do, uh, you know, story mode if you don't want to. Mm-hmm. It also has multiplayer, so if you want to play with a friend, you, you each can control, like, two characters and just kind of have a little fun with it. But that's that's basically the game. It's a rhythm RPG.
0: I, I was watching some videos of it, and just watching the bosses dance
3: as they're fighting you is pretty darn hilarious. It's it's great. I I, I love this game. I, I wish I had picked it up years ago, but I'm, I'm glad I'm getting around to it now. And at least, yeah, the song I'm on, like, looking at the background, it is so detailed. Oh, they, the the art for this game may, yeah. not, uh, may, may not be for a lot of people, but they've done a really, really great job with it. I imagine, though, that they spent most of their budget on this game just acquiring music licenses for, like, the 50 tracks. And mm-hmm. if you want, there's DLC for, I think, an additional 10 or 12 songs that you can add on. So what systems is this out for? So you can get it on the PC, you can get it on the Xbox, or you can get it on the PS4. All right. No Switch. Sorry. No. So the modern consoles that are not Switch. Basically.
1: All right.
0: Well, the only uh, the only rhythm-like RPGs that I've ever played are the uh, Persona 3, 4, and 5 dancing ones. Um, I've now run my course on all those. But uh, someone who's uh, run through Persona 5 this year for the first time is uh, who we'll hear from next so
4: jay you're up hello hey uh i specifically played persona 5 royal which is like the enhanced like the pokemon platinum i guess (laughs) yeah um but i never actually played the original persona 5 so i went back and looked at everything it changed and oh my god that sounds like so much of a worse game like, I remember people seeing Persona's praise to heaven and back, but, like, I can't imagine liking it, like, the original version without all the stuff Royal added. So it's like
3: Dragon Quest 11 2, 11s. S?
4: No, it's way more than that. Way it's, more than like, that? Yeah. Like, uh, one of, like, the big areas in Persona 5 is, like, this procedurally generated map called the Mementos, and you have to go it's for the most part it's your main area to level up and get like miscellaneous treasures build side quests stuff like that but towards the end of the game you have to reach the very bottom of it and it's like maybe 35 floors or whatever and apparently in the original version it was just nothing the royal they added like these little flowers where you could trade into a shopkeeper stamps where you could like spend to uh, increase how much experience monsters drop money items all these like extra hidden things in this main area that's otherwise completely barren
5: oh my gosh that sounds completely wonderful as soon as you mentioned (laughs) mementos the uh the the backtrack for for it just started playing over and over in my head and it's literally like the same two bars over and over again (laughs)
0: It's no, like I know what song I'm putting in.
5: Oh gosh, (laughs) I was literally just talking about this with my brother the other day. He was like, "I'm I'm in a phase where all I can think is that the Persona Five soundtrack really slaps." And then he was like, "Yeah, I don't. There's like maybe one or two tracks that's not that that aren't like super duper great." But and then he named them, and I'm like, "Did you forget Mementos?" And he was like, "Oh, I blocked that one out of my memory." Like
4: Mementos is easily the worst part of the game and it was so much worse than the original version it seems i'm like wow anyway let's talk about good things about persona yeah <laughs> it it is this my... is kind of our favorite of
5: games that we played this plenty. year
4: <laughs> yes it, it, it is my number three for a reason um it's a pretty by the numbers turn-based rpg you have a party of i believe eight characters that slowly join you as you go through the various dungeons you play as joker Ooh, ah fancy name um who, after being pinned for a crime that he did not commit, gets like shipped out to this other town, Yaganjaya, attends a whole new school. Everyone knows about his past and is like, oh, don't trust him. He's the bad kid. He has a knife. But uh, when you find out that the PE teacher is sexually abusing students, you stumble into the world of cognition. Eh and find out that you can manifest your rebellion as spirits called personas to steal the treasure of, pe- of people with warped desires. <laughs> this just gets weirder and weirder with every second, and that will yeah. cause them... A change of heart and confess to the things they've done, and then their so, hearts grew three like that. sizes that day. <laughs> and their hearts grew three sizes that day, unless you screw up and they die. Oops.
5: <laughs> yeah, when, when when you like actually say it out like that, uh, yeah, the whole premise is a little, little say there.
1: Completely ridiculous. What game related to Shin Megami Tensei doesn't have a weird premise to it? Come on now. <laughs> all right. The power of friendship will conquer all. All these fucking games have weird premises. How is Persona 5 any different?
4: <laughs> it's all in the intonation in Jay's voice. Yes. And speaking of the power of friendship conquering all, in between exploring dungeons, you can also spend time with your party members, increase their friendship, get to know a little bit more about them. And as you do, they will offer you like particular bonuses like let's say the one character, Ryuji, once you build your friendship with him, if he's in your party, he can, like, cure staz effects, take what would be a fatal hit for somebody. Uh, Certain combinations of characters in the royal version can access special showtime attacks, which would be, like, a desperation move. And I bring up Ryuji because he in particular has this absolutely broken ability where if you run into an enemy from behind and your level is higher than theirs, you just instantly kill them. You get a Whoa. Like you won the battle, but you don't battle.
5: Whoa.
4: It is broken.
5: Yeah. Jeez. It is- uh I actually had someone tell me very recently, like two days ago, that I needed to play Persona 5 Royal, because I've only played the original version, but I still have like two trophies to get on the original version, but I don't really want to play New Game Plus and blah blah blah. Uh it's a it Who would it's, a, it's a hundred a- hour <laughs> game. <laughs> Like,
4: I don't really like playing New Game Plus that much as is, but I am absolutely not going to do it for a 100-hour game. Yeah, exactly. underestimate
5: my power. Uh, <laughs> but it overestimates the amount of free time I have, so uh, there's that.
4: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, as Joker levels up, you get access to stronger personas these are basically equipment they alter Joker's stats elemental resistances and all that such every other character has a set persona that can like become stronger as you deepen your bond with them but joker has the ability to switch his at will and normally they're very balanced but if you play the royal version you get all the dlc from the old version and dlc persona can be summoned for free the first time and there are some of them that are absolutely bend the game in half at the end of the game so you can only imagine what they do at the beginning
5: my favorite thing to do was to get a persona that nulled physical damage just because you know a lot of things use physical damage and a lot of times then they'll just they'll just damage. try to punch you and you'll be like ha!
4: it reminds me of uh when i was playing shimigami 4 i had a unit who drained physical damage and i'm still trying to figure out how that
5: works he gets off on being punched maybe i don't know <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> there we go. There's the explanation. Anyway, um Persona has very good music, except for the time when it doesn't. <laughs> also here's my main problem with persona it goes on for like 40 hours longer than it has to there's a bad ending and i like it better than the
0: real ending ah, it's like we'll circle back I'll, around to that kind of topic when we get to my yeah like
4: without spoilers, <laughs> basically the bad guy gets away joker gets killed and the mystery goes unsolved But like we we the player know the mystery from like the word go because you get like those side scenes and such and it's like we know who the killer is we We know what their motive is. Him killing Joker is totally acceptable. And it's like, by the time I got past that bad ending, because I, of course, I saw it on my first playthrough. I'm like, wow, I like this bad. I, I stopped having fun at the last major dungeon. And I'm like, boy, I really just want this game to end. And then I found out that there's a whole post game in Royal that you need to be friend max out your friendship with one particular character to get, and I did not That's get the it. The point of Royal. <laughs> I'm like, good. I do not want to play this game anymore.
5: Thank you. I'm done. I've heard but- that the post game in Royal is like better than the whole rest of the game. I've heard. But I have that- not played. I have not or- played Royal, so like. Uh-
4: order for me to find it, you would have to max out your friendship with a particular character who leaves like halfway through this one dungeon and there's like a whole other 20 hours of gameplay after that and if you haven't maxed them out you're just sol and the only way for me to access the whole post game would be to start new game plus on a 100 hour rpg
5: you also get a specific persona for doing New Game Plus. I think it's. uh I don't remember any of these names, but it's like the default persona for Joker gets a. Uh, uh, yeah, he gets a big no, buff that's fine. That's fine in, in New indeed. Game Plus. Uh,
4: my my favorite persona was from DLC, so I'm like, all right, cool. <laughs> Thanks.
5: I, I always felt it was, felt it was weird that like you have this persona that was handcrafted for your character, and then and you, you, like, you it, just, like you fine. just you just him in the first like thirty seconds of the game. <laughs> Bye, guy. <laughs> Worst persona. <laughs> <laughs> he looks cool though.
4: I think they had, because I had like an extra, like a powered up version of him later on, but I forget if he was DLC or what. Because I, I definitely didn't do New Game Plus. I think that's all I have to say about Persona for now. All right. Well, I, I,
0: you gave me the perfect setup because you know you had somebody that was escaping out of a dungeon, midway through. That was one of the last characters you were talking about. Uh, oh. And Blue Star is already groaning for the intro to her third game of the year that she's picked. Uh, what what game would that be?
5: So it's actually three games for my number three. Uh, so it's the Zero Escape trilogy. Um, it is a group of games that originally came. <laughs> Yes, yes, yeah, I guess we are done with Persona. Um, it's a it's a group of games that came out on the Nint- Nintendo DS, like, a decade ago, or something like that. Um, and my family likes to play point-and-click adventures on the TV or on the holidays. Um, so this was one that my brother recommended after my dad was like, let's do something with, like, escape rooms. And uh, yes, that means I technically started the first game last December, shush! Time isn't real anyway. Especially like uh Yeah. <laughs> um time is
4: construct of human conception. <laughs>
5: um so yeah, the series was remade recently and so I have the first two as uh, a downloaded game on the PlayStation 4, and the third one I downloaded off of Steam. Um, so it's a visual novel series, which means it ends up being a lot of story and very little gameplay. So Platy would hate it. Uh, <laughs> My dad also got very lost in the story very soon into the second game out of the three. So we, my brother and I tried really hard to keep him up to speed, but it just kept getting weirder and more com- complex. And eventually we gave up. And then, you know, my dad would fall, fall asleep on the couch while we were playing. And after that, there was, we we did our best. Um, the gameplay is pretty basic. You pick up items and look for clues to solve the puzzles in the room. Um and there are a lot of instances where the player has to make a decision. So it'll be like, do you take the left path or the right path? Do you go through you know, the right door or the left door? Do you take the red pill or the blue pill? Um, which is a big part of the story, because the story, the, the sci-fi element of it, comes in because it's all based on the idea that each decision creates a branch in time where two possible futures form. So there's the possible future where you take the left path and there's the possible future where you take the right path. And sort of the whole point of the game is exploring all of those possible futures to get sort of the full picture of um, basically everything that's going on. So you really do get to see things from all sides and, you know, the way sort of the sci-fi comes into it, 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 ju- it, it ju- it's just kind of a cool Cool premise, if you can wrap your head around it. Um, so it's also a lot of cool psychology studies that are uh, sort of meshed in with everything, and classic problems, like Schrodinger's cat is one of them that comes up a lot, and they're, they're all worked into it, so it, it seems like it could almost be real, which makes the nerd in me very, very happy. Um, so just, just sort of this fantastical stuff in sort of a real setting makes me think that, you know, hey, maybe, maybe real life doesn't have to be so boring.
0: You know what else isn't boring? The first yeah. game on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was kind of I was kind of pausing there, seeing if you were done. I, I gave it enough time, I'm like, okay, okay, I think she's done.
5: I was expecting someone else to chime in with something, anything, but it's okay. We don't have to talk about my game. I can just have skewed oh. everything there.
1: <laughs> I was going to say, did, has anybody else played any of these Zero Escape games? No, I haven't played any of them, but I do want to play the first one, because I remember Nintendo Power really advertising it back, um... Uh... I don't remember what issues it was, but I remember them talking about that Nine Doors, Nine People, the first game yep. of, those, of that series. And
5: yep. It seemed it's interesting. A, I never played a, a visual
1: th- novel, but the story idea seemed like it would be uh, interesting to go through.
5: The first one's probably... See, for the for the best one, it's tied between the first and the second one, because obviously the second one improves on a lot of the things that the first one did. But like I said, the story gets kind of weird and complex. So the the first game has a good balance of being being a little bit out there, but still being fairly easy to follow. Um, So I definitely recommend at least playing the first game. And if you hate it, then no need to go on to the second one. Um, but if you don't, uh, the second one is called Virtue's Last Reward, and that one is also very good. Um, I liked the first and the second one enough to go on to the third one, which is called Zero Time Dilemma. Um, but it, uh, everybody agrees that things kind of just went off the rails in that game. It was still fun, and I still enjoyed it, but it was definitely, it, it definitely felt like it had a lot less time put into it than the other two.
0: Not as polished. Yeah, just not as. Feature-heavy or whatever.
5: Yeah. Hmm.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. After a couple uh, go-rounds, sometimes they just get complacent and rush out something. Sometimes you got to pay the bills. Sometimes you got to be a little braver and wait a few years and get your next game out. Can't have these companies uh, defaulting on anything. No, yep. no. I mean, you, you need money. You can't default on anything. That yeah, would especially be really brave. Then you'll get no games out. Then, then you'll have to get bought out by another company in Japan and get bailed out from them. Yep. Kind of like Square. Could happen two yeah. times, even. <laughs> could, could happen two times. You know, how brave of them to uh, fight that battle again. So Ooh. if you can't tell by our all of our horrible transition skills here, um, we'll go into my third game of the year. And I wasn't going to talk about this one at first, but th- I got talking about it a couple weeks ago with somebody. And I'm like, you know, I really did enjoy my time with it. I, I It doesn't leave a whole lasting impression. But for, you know, like three or four weeks I put into it, I had a blast. And um I was thinking of weird. I was talking to somebody about spring break and I'm like, man, you know what? I really did a lot of on spring break up in the mountains. Like every night I was putting three to four hours into Bravely Default 2. And this is a game that Yangus and I, it was half of our yearly um, race this year. And honestly, it's the first game in quite a few years that both of us have actually both finished in the same year that we uh, tried and raced with. But uh, Yangus eventually won because he rolled credits on uh, Like a Dragon as well. And no, Not Like a Dragon, I did not. Did did I not convince you enough last year with it? Apparently No, you did. And I've got a plan. I've actually got a plan for this because something that Blue was saying in the last uh, segment about, you know, Dad falling asleep on the couch. That's what happened to me with Like a Dragon. Not that it was bad or anything but it, it had a so much story and i'm always playing it at like 9 30 10 o'clock 10 30 at night and you know you start a 20 minute cutscene at 10 30 and mm-hmm. i'm gone next thing you know it's 11 15 and my character has been standing around for 20 minutes like
3: what are you doing? that is the con of yakuza games is they when they have cutscenes, they have cutscenes. they're not as bad as metal gear but they're not they're not short
1: <laughs> no
0: nope oh. I think I'm going to try to play that this next coming year with uh, streaming it to my Vita. I mean, I used to play, I used to play, uh, what is it, Heroes, the Dragon Quest Heroes 2 on my Vita via streaming. And I did okay on that. The the frame rate, my internet was good enough to keep the frame rate up on that. So we're actually redoing the bedroom right now and putting, moving a bunch of furniture around. And pretty soon I might have the uh, PS4 like hardwired into our internet again and, I'm like, you know, that's something I can just turn on across the room and lay in bed and play on my Vita at night.
5: And then you'll definitely fall asleep during the cutscenes.
0: And <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, uh, maybe, maybe. But sitting on the couch at night watching, I, I think it's like the eye strain. I don't have the best eyesight. And I really have a hard time, like, convincing myself to put my glasses on. So looking at the TV 10 feet away is, uh, I I think that's part of it. Like, let, let me t- Laying in bed with my Vita at night, I don't go to bed. I just keep playing. Next thing I know, it's like one o'clock. I'm like, "Oh crud, man! I gotta be up at six for work," and here I am in the middle of another game. But all this to say, a dad thing. (laughs) It's a dad thing. I don't. I get on that couch and nope, TV's on couch. I'm on the couch. I'm out. But bravely default too. Back, back to where i was saying. um the first two games i played back to back uh in 2016 i remember because it's when my youngest son was born that was my habit just sitting in his bedroom and when i have to go rock him back to sleep at night and then i'm wide awake for the next hour i'm gonna put an hour into bravely default and uh, so here we are five years later bravely default two comes out and it's not related to the other ones at all um despite its numbering system it's not bravely second it's not bravely it's definitely not bravely third um you know much like a dragon quest or final fantasy you know same kind of stuff but new world new characters whatever um you got the raven default systems back in the battle system you can get the three extra actions you can uh kind of borrow them to get a bunch of attacks right in a row or you can save them up wait for a second um you know taking those three extra actions right at the beginning of the battles good way to deal with trash mobs um, or saving stuff up or trying to use them when you're trying to set up a combo is always good. You know, you could boost your strength and then attack, attack, attack. Um, get some extra attacks in. Uh, there's tons of jobs. And as MacCraft was talking about Final Fantasy V, you know, Bravely Default is kind of what, you know, if they had stayed on that Final Fantasy V path and made Final Fantasy V 2 and 3 and 4 and 5 you know, 25 years later, here's what we would probably be at um, with job systems. Uh, just, I love having the main job, you're leveling up. Um, I, I like to see numbers go up. I like to get the experience. I want to get to the next level, but, it, you know, you switch jobs, you're getting your JP, your job points too, and making the job class go up and learning new um, abilities or spells at every single job class level. You can also have sub jobs, they don't level up, but. You know, like once you've maxed out a job or something, you stick it as your sub job. You've got the ability to use pretty much all of the skills there, um, except for like the one specific bonus you get from having that job as your active job. Um, The graphics were beautiful. I I love it. You know, it's that 2D HD kind of look to it. Um, I really liked it. I mean, it wasn't exactly like Bravely uh, Octopath. Gosh, I'm, I'm having a hard time thinking. It is 2D HD, right? Yangus was Bravely Default or... No, Bravely default,
5: default two one uses, was no, not, no. default, default uses 3D. Um,
1: like okay, wait, which one are you specifically talking about here? Which one are you talking? The newest one, the newest one. That, all right, that one is all 3D graphics, but it uses um, artwork slash painting slash drawings for
4: the. That's right, right town environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the all like first like two games, towns, right? What? I said what was it, that, it's, it's all like, like pre-rendered towns, right? Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm, I'm starting
0: to get, like, Octopath mixed in my brain here, but uh, the graphics are beautiful. I do like a lot of the effects, like, you're walking through the desert, um, because the water effects were really cool, I remember. And even going back to the demo, like, almost two years ago that they first put out was really neat. Um, wh- one little complaint I had, the boss hit point pools were huge, huge.
1: Oh my god! They were such sponges. It's ridiculous. Yeah,
0: it was like, okay, I get
1: it. I, 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 can
0: see where the gameplay loop of this
1: boss fight is going,
0: and I really don't want to spend the next fifteen minutes on it. But I guess I am. Um, I, I, I never really found that hard. I probably had to replay two of them, but like they just took forever. It was like, okay, I get it. Listen, I did fifty thousand damage, and I can see where I'm going to do fifty thousand. Like every few minutes, why do you have two hundred fifty thousand hit points? Yeah. It, it's it, it's you're not exactly stopping me from killing you you're just prolonging this um
1: yeah there were definitely that, what, some of those bosses where it's like okay for what your job class is you should not have this much health i don't care if you're a boss oh yeah or not. like <laughs> like some of them that were like mage characters like the one that uh God, what was it? It was one of the, like, classes that was supposed to be, like, the glass cannon type character, or uh, mm-hmm. job class. Like, that character had way too much health for what point they were at in the game. It's like, seriously, this is, like, one of the first bosses of this chapter. I know the game gets harder the, h- the longer you go on for, but come
3: on, man. This class should <laughs> not be this durable.
4: <laughs> but it's taking your time. That means it's hard. Oh, uh, It it's, took my time.
3: It, it makes my you feel good long. about making the numbers go down. Because that's what you ultimately want to do: decrease, yeah. the num- decrease their numbers to zero while raising your numbers to max. Mm-hmm.
5: Make the numbers go up. Generate the happy chemical. For- the, the happy brain chemicals.
4: <laughs>
3: you know who uh,
0: activated my happy brain? chemicals was Elvis and I have a hate hate relationship with the name Elvis I'm born Great. I was born on Elvis's birthday and it get it got brought up all the time as a kid you know growing up in the early 80s people you know these days who talks about Elvis you don't really walk around people Dude, putting up Elvis stuff especially where we live yeah but like in, when I was young, it was always like, "Oh man, that's Elvis's birthday!" And one year, like my dad, as a kind of joke, bought me an entire sheet of like 100 uncut Elvis stamps. I was like, "What the f am I gonna do with Elvis stamps?" I'm like eight years old. Like, who the hell, <laughs> what do I need stamps for? Like, really?
4: Cut them Come off. Mail your envelopes. Mail you Elvis your fan letters. <laughs>
1: He's alive out there somewhere, right? So, I mean, just seeing that name, like, I
0: was like, oh, I, I don't want to play with a character named Elvis. Can I switch names or something? But, and you know what? He he was not, like, and then again, I'm like, oh, it's probably going to be one of the typical womanizing type characters in a game. The way he, like, I don't know, the way he sounded with his accent was just going to be this. He had not, was it Scottish?
1: Yeah, it he had a Scottish from, accent. Scottish Honestly, accent, he yeah. reminded me of what a young rab would have been like from Dragon Quest 11.
0: Yeah, but but you know the accent was really awesome and the character was not really like he wasn't um uh, what's the fricking guy from the first two bravely default games ring a bell ring a bell yep i was like oh he's gonna be the ring a bell character and he really wasn't he he was pretty cool and his whole town had like some good stories because the whole game revolves around going to what six towns maybe seven yeah. Th- there wasn't a lot of locations i mean there's like a whole continent but mainly like just one big town there um it, it there wasn't a whole lot of locations to visit city-wise um but they all had fun side quests um, there was a little problem there with the implementation. There was like 100 side quests in the game, but there was oh no God. numbering system. Yeah, it's, no numbering system. It's You're really like, hard I, to keep did I track get them all?
1: of how many job classes, or um, excuse me, how many side quests you have going. And the thing is, too, you can only take so many because once you hit, hit a certain number, the game mm-hmm. will no longer uh, properly track which ones you have and have not done. And, I mean, I like that I could turn on
0: markers for like where to go it it, by default they're on like there's a little red marker for where the next main story thing you need to deal with and there was like a blue one i think for side quests um and there's little bubbles above the people's head who have side quests um i mean i love that it had so many side quests some of them were just not having a quest log was ridiculous like come on man yeah. Um and it was it was easy to spot, easy to found too. But there were some side quests that were so ridiculously easy, it's like, why did you even bother putting this in there? Um there was one in the more vertically inclined town that was at one point they were throwing people down into the pits to like oh, yeah, see if they um, were angels.
1: Yeah, that was they they're trying to see uh because they believe fairies were taking over the town. So they would just throw down they would throw people in there and be like, Well, if you're a fairy, then you're gonna be able to fly out, but if you don't, then that means you will For one of us, it's basically, like, witch trials from, like, Salem back in
0: the day. Like, hey, you know, if you splat on the ground down there, congratulations, you weren't a fairy. And, oops, sorry we killed you. But, which which wasn't even the more disturbing, some of the stories that went on in this game.
1: Um, Yeah, honestly, like... That one was pretty, with the painter. Oh, my God. That Honestly, that whole part of the game was probably my favorite portion, just because that was, like, honestly, that was the part of the game that I felt was most, like... Narrative-wise, like uh, the earlier games, especially one's case, because as as much as I enjoyed parts of Bravely Default uh, 2, I felt like there were a lot of parts where it's like, okay, this isn't really that great or interesting. But chapter, I think it was chapter uh, 2 or 3, I don't know, it was chapter 2, because that's when you go to um, Elvis's hometown. Like, mm-hmm. that part of the game was like, okay, now see, this is the kind of thing that I really enjoyed about uh, Bravely Default 1 in both the narrative and... Um, Setup sort of way, because honestly, that villain of cha- of uh, chapter three, like she or chapter two, excuse me, she was pretty freaking crazy for one thing. Oh, and, heck um, <laughs> and um, for anybody who's played Earthbound um, and you've seen, uh, you know what the final boss guy looks like uh, the boss of chapter two. Uh, the mural that she ends up painting. Uh, one, it's created through very, um, very dark and questionable methods. But the way that it looks and animates, it was like as soon as I started seeing that activate, it's like, oh wow, this is, you know, really giving me deja vu back to that uh, Gigas fight because of how it animates and how it moves and how you can't really comprehend what it's exactly doing. Like it was, it was that was probably one of the best parts of the game in my opinion.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, you said there was it, it wasn't it didn't quite hit all the beats like one and two did. It really felt like a JRPG by numbers. It was not. It didn't have like oh, like one of the best things about the first two games is when the title screen changed. Like those were plot twists that were like reflected in the title screen, and it was just so awesome. And this one was like, eh, you know, there was one point in the uh, fairy killing town that I was like, oh, I didn't see that coming, but. I had other people's like, what? You didn't know that. I'm like, oh, sorry. My one bit of joy. But I mean, it, it was a good, it, it was a good solid JRPG. Kind of like, uh, introducing somebody to like Dragon Quest four or something. I'm like, Hey, here's what a, here's something with all the roots of what a JRPG could be. Go mm-hmm. town to town, do the stuff, move to the next town. Um, <laughs> or like if you took Dragon Quest seven and cut it in maybe a third, um, mm-hmm. but it, it was good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um but at the same time I I wrote here like yeah it didn't wow me as much and maybe because you know all the systems were the same as bravely default and bravely De- uh bravely second for the most part you got the same exact battle system and you got the same exact you know you're getting a bunch of jobs jobs you're killing knocking off the asterisk holders you're taking their asterisk you're moving new jobs and I mean, well, it was fun, again, uh, imagine if, like, Dragon Quest IV and Dragon Quest V did the same thing Dragon Quest 3 did, have generic party members that you were going to save the world, and you could change classes and just make up your party, and you're doing that again for Dragon Quest IV, and you're doing that again for Dragon Quest V. Like Dragon Quest. Yeah, you're doing a lot of stuff the same, but they they change it up and think things move around. You know, you've got three and nine where you're making up your own characters while the other ones are preset characters. And I mean, yeah, it's all got the same roots, but there's something different. This just kind of seemed like, okay, ho-hum, you're playing Bravely Default again. Which, you know, was fun. I gave it 50 hours. Uh, When the credits happened, I was like, I'm perfectly fine with this. Uh, There were, and it very clearly sets up how to go into the postgame. There was something a little sad at the end. And if you didn't like the sadness, you could continue on and try to get a better ending. And if that one still made you a little bit sad at the end, you could continue on and get the perfect ending at the end. And honestly, I stopped the, the first one and I was like, you know what? I don't need another 20 hours of this. I, I've put in about 50. I got out what I wanted. It is was fun. I don't want to bash on the game and get pissed about it, trying this for another two weeks just to uh, beat post game and get the true ending or whatever. So I was happy with it. Yangis, mm-hmm. what was your final kind of verdict on it? You were kind of ho hum by the end.
1: Well, it's like I've been, t- I've said throughout like, throughout playing it too. Like, I don't know if it's just because of after playing playing it after finishing up Yakuza like a dragon or if it's just because I was expecting it to be more like um, the first game in my like in my head. I don't know. But honestly, I found myself having such a mixed opinion of the game like the whole time playing through it (laughs) because I would get to points where. Like I said, with like chapter two, where I was like, oh, this is really good. You know, this is, you know, what I, when I think of a Bravely game, like this is what I think of story-wise and characterization-wise and whatnot. But then I got to points where I just didn't feel that sort of, um same quality i guess i didn't there it's weird to explain it because i don't want to get into spoilers or anything but Mm -hmm. basically just to sum it up for my own opinion i it just did not fit with what i was expecting and i didn't like try and play it up too much beforehand because even when going into the game it was like well okay i guess we'll you know you know see how it is i wasn't like excited to play it so i think that might have been part of it as well but just overall i just wasn't that super invested in the game i beat it And I tried going for the best ending, but I kind of just said fuck it to that one after a certain point, (laughs) because, like... So talking about the bosses that have like too much health, uh, without getting the spoilers, the boss of chapter six uh, is a boss that you actually have to end up fighting three times in a row, each time getting harder and harder. But you don't get any breaks in between, so it's kind of it, it it got a little unnecessarily hard at that point. I felt even for it being like end game, like usually end game RPGs will either give you a break in between or something, or they'll heal you like mid fight, so you can be like back to full strength and you can fight the final form or what have you.
3: Yeah, dude, modern RPGs, sure, but older RPGs would do that all the time. I remember playing plenty to where you wouldn't get breaks between
4: forums. Yeah. Well Gravy default isn't anything if it's not an old RPG.
5: (laughs) God (laughs) doesn't play nice. (laughs) Anyway,
1: I just was not really that big of a fan of the game in the end. And honestly, for it being a game that I was really looking forward to when they first announced it and seeing that they were going to have a lot of the same style, a lot of the like, even they brought back uh, Revo as the composer. There's just a lot of stuff that ended up with this game that I just did not end up enjoying it that much. And honestly, it's probably one of my biggest disappointments of uh, the year. And just was really a game that I just kind of felt like I wasted my money on buying. So, yeah, really just a game that really disappointed me. And honestly, after I kind of had that same thing with two, but with or with uh, Bravely Second, But with Bravely Second, there were parts of that game that I did find myself liking after, after or after the fact of playing it and looking yeah, back. When you went parts. back to it, you really had a good time. Yeah. Stepping away for a while and coming back. Yeah. But I, that was also because that game, I did start realizing that, oh, it does have, uh, despite some uh, really bad humor in it, that it does have a lot of the stuff that I enjoyed about the first game so much. But I just really wasn't feeling that way with uh, Second at any point. Or a bra- God, this is why it's so confusing, because I'm Bravely Second <laughs> and Bravely is. Default 2. But uh, with Bravely Default 2, I never really felt too many moments like that, except for a few uh, bits and pieces here and there. So... I mean, it has good stuff to it. Like, the game's not awful by any means, but it's definitely a game that I just personally just was really disappointed by, and I can't really say that with a whole lot of games that I've played, that I, there was, like, like it genuinely disappointed me, but that was one where I just did not find myself um, super invested in it by the end of it and just kind of was playing through it just to finish it and just be done with it and put it back on the shelf. But, um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got to say about it. It's Just... All right.
0: Wasn't the well. great...
1: Wasn't the... Uh, greatest game that I've ever played, let's put it that way <laughs> definitely not, wasn't not, the best RPG I've played this year either uh, I was going to say, not the
0: greatest game you've ever played that that describes literally every game you've ever played, except for one but <laughs> <You're getting your laughs> that head, was myself. Yangus that was Yangus, you heard him, I am Platy M3, our next person is Barurian, and his game is I am Setsuna
1: or is oh. he
3: I am Setsuna
1: are you? You are, man. You, you you own that. You go, girl.
3: So I Am Setsuna is a Square Enix title that was done by Tokyo RPG Factory. and Square made this uh, studio specifically to make RPGs, like older aesthetic RPGs. And um, I think the whole selling point back in 2016 when this game initially came out was you know we want to make games like the old Super Nintendo games but for modern consoles and the result we got from that was I am Setsuna and I this year was kind of really wanting that like a lot of the RPGs that I had been playing I was having issues with uh, staying interested in them for more than the first five or ten hours and kind of just falling off the wagon because I don't like a lot of modern RPG tropes anymore but, um, as it was described by uh, Square Enix, they were trying to go for like a pure fantasy RPG and, you know, all future RPGs made by this company specifically, or this development studio specifically, <laughs> kind of hinged on the success of I Am Setsuna, which thankfully it did well enough that we've gotten two games since, um, Lost Sphere and Oninaki. But uh, for this one, they kind of wanted to do something old school, something along the lines of Final Fantasy, Dragon Quest. They even specifically stated that Chrono Trigger was a you know, huge inspiration due, due, due to its popularity. And a lot of the development team really loved Chrono Trigger. So... And that they also believed that there weren't a lot of kind of spiritual successors to Chrono Trigger on the market. So they kind of wanted to capitalize on that. Also, you know, being under the Square Enix uh, flagship and everything. So, uh, like I said, they drew, they drew a lot of influence from Dragon Quest, from <clears throat> Final Fantasy, some other ones like Saga, even Mother. And they wanted to make a game that, you know, also had the playtime of an old Super Nintendo RPG. Because RPGs these days, as you've probably experienced with Bravely Default 2 or Persona 5, these these can be like 100-hour RPGs for you Mm. to just get to nearly the end of the game or something like that. I remember Bravely Default took me 80 hours to get to the end of the game. So this was something, oh, you're done in 20 to 30 hours, and... Unfortunately, you never know how long you actually spend in this game because it doesn't have it doesn't keep track of a timer in the game. So, but by the time I finished it, I had no idea how long I spent on it unless I was, you know, you're paying attention to uh, the achievements as you earn them on the PS4, at least from the first one to the last one. Um, but it is a very it's a very melancholy RPG. It is its central theme is sadness. Because in the opening of the game, you as a mercenary are given this assignment by this unknown NPC to go out and kill a woman named Setsuna. And that's all the information you're given. So you trek down and you find her. And as you're about to find her, she's like, hey, are you here to kill me? And, you know, you kind of get these dialogue options to the game that kind of give a small split throughout the game as you play in dialogue. But ultimately the choices don't matter so you can kind of go whichever way you want with them which is a little bit of an unfortunate thing but hey that's old RPGs for you your your choice doesn't actually matter but uh, you know if you say yeah I'm here to kill you or some snarky comment that you'll probably get she wants you to join her team as she is going out on the last right because she is the chosen sacrifice for the world the world is in turmoil Monsters are basically keeping people in separated, populated towns. Trying, you know, it keeps the human population down. Um, and they are going to go and sacrifice Susatuna so that the monsters will kind of recede for a number of years. Although it's never really determined or specified how many years that is. So you join her party. Uh, along with one other character. So you start out with three. And as you work your way through the game, through a snowy-filled game, this game is all snow all the time. There's no other biomes in this game. There's no desert. There's no, um, like, plains, meadows, anything like that. Every town is full of snow. Everybody is cold. Everybody is miserable. The OST itself is uh, a, a piano soundtrack the entire time. Battle themes... Intros, outros, world world map music—it's all piano, and it is all fantastic. Uh, usually, something like that would get stale after a while, but whoever they had do the uh, you know soundtrack for this game did a fantastic job with just a piano. But um, it's a very standard fare RPG. Uh, like I've said like five times now, it's all about Super Nintendo aesthetics. So. You go through each town. Each town has their own vignette. You'll pick up characters along the way. Uh, you'll find new new revelations as you journey to make the sacrifice for Setsuna. Um, the, the party doesn't want her to kill herself to sacrifice the monsters, but she has to to keep the world from getting worse because, you know, this time on the sacrifice, the monsters are worse than ever. And um, unless they do this, you know, humanity may come to an end. But for me, the real uh, outside of the story, the real thing for me is always combat systems in these games. And uh, the combat system for this is basically the Chrono Trigger combat system. So all of the characters have their own weapon types. Um, you don't you don't up, you you buy new weapons, but there's really not a difference in your stats between the weapons. It's all about how you upgrade them using sprite Knights that you uh, gather throughout the game. And that's where the real, Like meat of the combat system comes into play, because everything that you uh, apply will give you different abilities for different characters. Because specific characters can only, you know, uh, equip certain sprite knights. And as you use these Sprite Knights, they can evolve adding stuff on, like bringing MP costs down, um, increasing certain stats, you know, increasing your agility, your evasion, your strength, so on and so forth. And you can stack all of these up, and each Sprite Knight can have like 10 of these effects applied at any one given time. So you can, you can make some really killer combinations with, uh, with all, the, all the stuff that you can equip. And you equip these sprite knights via your equipment slots. So you know your accessory item will basically let you equip specific things. And every accessory also gives you like can can give you a bonus ability. But um, I would I would really say that if if you haven't played this game, to give it a shot, it's 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 a really decent game. I I had feelings at the end of it. Um, It's it's a very Mm. sad game. Sadness. You obviously
0: like this a lot better than uh, Pendy did.
3: Oh, did he, he not like it? For our,
0: no, he oh, was on yeah. for our Christmas in July. And, oh, yeah. Uh, we uh, covered this game because it was snowy. So that was enough to qualify for Christmas in July. Oh,
3: yeah. That works. <laughs> we have very
0: high standards at this podcast, goddammit. And let me tell you,
1: <laughs>
0: uh, you know, that, that met our high standards.
3: <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Uh, but I know, but um, you can. You can you can uh, it? I'm trying like, to think you can do double and triple I, I wouldn't text say, like you couldn't chrono trigger what's not to like about it <laughs> well i mean i didn't really yeah play. he doesn't like chrono trigger that's not really selling but... the game to play yeah you,
0: yeah you haven't sold it to me but
3: you know well, for the I other, mean, like
0: 99.9% of a uh, jRPG fans out there that really love chrono trigger
3: yeah, it's it's got an active time battle system, but you can change it to wait. That's what I always do if I get the option because I don't I don't personally like active time battle. No, neither do I. And honestly, you know, I didn't hate Chrono Trigger. Yeah,
0: I think this is our uh, what we've just been talking about on the side. You know, games we love to hate compared to like games we just love to bitch about. I played Chrono Trigger. It was all right. And like oh, you see, I think at the time I played it. I didn't realize it was supposed to be the best game ever. And like, I oh, yeah. and then, like th- then reading about it like years later, I'm like, Oh, I mean, it was just, it it's, was a game I played between this game and this game. it was just, yeah, it, it's, it's yeah. fun
3: to, uh, it's fun to, 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 you know, give it kind of, um, a hazing because it'll just set people off. <laughs> yeah. And that's, that's the fun thing to do. Right. Yeah, of course. So
5: yeah, I just mentioned so. persona around Yangus and
0: luckily I kept him on mute during the persona five times. <laughs>
1: can keep me on. Unfortunately, unfortunately, me.
0: unfortunately, I asked his opinion. of bravely default too. Sorry about that, everybody. I'll just cut that out.
3: Oh, I will have to say the I'm the only thing sure that I I think
4: I said enough bad things about Persona for Yangus. <laughs> <laughs>
3: the, the only thing that I didn't like about this game, I I, I guess I could say is. That it felt a little too easy. Like, I didn't really ever have much of a problem with the combat except for the purposeful, harder enemies. Cause they're, you know, it's one of those things where you've got a bestiary and every bestiary has, you know, the different types of monsters. You got your beasts, you got your birds, you got your uh, question mark class, whatever. And in every one of those, there's one specific type of that enemy that is just hard for the sake of being hard. And, um, the game is also brutal because there's no auto-save in this game. So you have to kind of save or you're screwed. And I did run into a couple couple of times to where I ran into these harder... Because they are just meant to be hard uh, creatures. And you get a game over and you, it just boots you back to title screen. Oh. So... But... And also, like, when you reach the end of the game, like, right before you go to fight the final boss, like... Uh, a portal opens it up next to the save point, and it'll. It, you can take it back out to the world map. And just a whole ton of side quests open up there so you can go do extra story stuff for all of the characters if you want to. But you don't even get that option until the end of the game. Also, no new game plus like Chrono Sugar. So you want to start a new game, you have to play from the beginning again.
0: All right. Well, talk about hard games. Um, Jay is going to delve into his uh, second block of games, I guess we're going to talk about here. Um, Definitely not an easy time.
1: In fact, it's such not an uneasy time, he can't even say anything about it. <laughs>
4: no. He's speechless. He's completely silent. Anyway, so my set of games was the Dark Souls series because I had the wonderful idea of marathoning through all three of them. Because <laughs> <laughs> the I played the first one for the first time on the remake on Switch. And I'm like, wow, this is great. And my brother's like, hey, I have two and three if you want to play. I'm like, sure, send them my way. And I decided to marathon through all three of them and I only very recently finished three. Mm. They're all similar enough that I think we can like lump them all together basically you're yes. in you're in this very cold angry world <laughs> everything's trying to kill you and each game has a different goal usually you're trying to relight this original bonfire which like a sacred right I guess it's very difficult one mistake and you will die and Every time you kill enemies, you get souls, which are basically your currency. You use them for leveling up and buying stuff and all that stuff. And when you die, you drop all the souls you were carrying. And if you can get back to that spot, you get them back. But if you can't, you can't. And some of these these moments are incredibly difficult. I honestly don't really know how to talk about Dark Souls, but I had a lot of fun with it especially one not so much two did you um, um
1: well did, two did, two is the black sheep of the of the series for sure did you that, do that a lot of has quite uh,
3: interesting history behind it did you do a lot of lore stuff with the game did you even try to like you know read the lore of the items to pick up on stuff that was going on in the background
4: of the game some of it i did yeah like how i learned that uh it's after you finish just one area the fire keeper in the first game you find you find where she was, and she's dead. Like if you right. examine her gear, you can find out that she was murdered. Murdered by Lautrec. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can actually like go after her murderer and get a revenge. And if you do, you actually get a very nice ring that I use for the rest of the game. It is just that good.
3: Yeah, because you can't take it off.
4: Yep. <laughs> I forgot, I forgot I about can't that. Can't remove part. it. I'm not taking it off anyway. This is like the best ring in the game. <laughs> it's like. I played the remake of one, which apparently fixed a lot of the issues people had with it. Oh, it was the the original release was
3: was abysmal in some areas.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's Blight uh, Town in particular was one of the when, worst spots. When I played frame rate
3: worked. it, yeah, when I was on the PS, when I played on the PS3 way back in the day, um, when you, yeah, when you hit Blight Town, frame rate tanks to single digits
4: a lot of the time. And, yep, that's what I heard too. But I can happily say that I had no problem on Switch. So that's good uh dark souls 2 i didn't really like that much i felt the enemy design was very lacking i felt like they did a, a lot of like here's 50 enemies here's a narrow corridor have fun and i'm like it never is fun and they did that god all where every time you die your max health drops a little bit i'm like yeah gee thanks i was struggling with this enemy before now i got to struggle it with it harder i didn't like to Still, uh, people-
1: a lot of people don't like to there's some that are very dedicated to it and really like it does have its good points but that game unfortunately has a troubled history behind its production and part of the also is too is that Miyazaki was not available to be one of the main programmers slash overseers for that particular title because he was busy with Artorias of the Abyss DLC for Dark Souls 1 and was busy with Bloodborne at the time so he was just more of a background supervisor just making sure that, you know, kind of looking over shoulders and not trying to stifle creativity for that one. Led to some yeah,
4: I mean, it had its moments, but I was more frustrated with it than any anything, especially mm-hmm. the other two games. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I've had scenes where it's like, oh, you're going to have a hard time with this boss. It's hard. I'm like, and i walk through it i'm like i beat it on my second try i'm like okay that was easy yeah. well uh, that just happens with any of these games because
1: you, you could have a boss that everyone's like oh my god this is so hard you can be on like the first try and be like is
4: that yeah because like <laughs> right that, that's exactly what happened to be in uh three with dancer of the Boreal valley everyone's like oh this is like the hardest boss in gaming history and i'm like i pulled into it started streaming and beat it in like 20 minutes i'm like well i don't know what i'm gonna do for the rest of my stream Mm -hmm. yeah it's this is just one of those series where there's gonna be points where you're gonna hit
1: either a wall or you're going to uh just kind of get through parts pretty easily like everybody has their points of the game where they're either gonna be able to get through it not that bad or they're gonna be like oh my gosh this part of the game is you know such bullshit blah 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 you know yeah It's, it's just part of the experience too which is why I really enjoy these games
4: as well. Yeah, they're they're not as hard as people say, definitely. I I wouldn't say it's the hardest thing since Monkey Ball. But, you know, From Software doesn't know how to end a story, though. All three of them are just like, okay, we're done now. Here are the credits. Yeah, but it's really, they're games that are more about the journey. And as
1: Barurian was talking about, they're more about the lore and stuff. And that's actually something that I really enjoy about these games, because they don't try and shove a narrative down your throat or stop the action like every... You know a few minutes or something like that like it just lets you experience things at your own pace which is so nice like, and so refreshing to see in like a big game like that but that's why i like and love the hell i'm just serious
4: just read the description for the spell i'm like all right cool <laughs> and it's like yeah all that stuff is like there if you want to see it and they're like tucked away if you don't it's very non-intrusive and i like that about it i also uh noticed something very interesting that made me smile a little bit i recently beat slave knight gale and his soul unlike most other characters is a humanity from the first game i'm like wow that's cute i like that Mm -hmm.
1: yeah like these games are really good about visual storytelling as well even if you don't read the the dialogue or the texts or the lore stuff like it's gonna visually paint you a picture of what's going on and bloodborne is also a game that does a really good job about that one too
4: yeah i was thinking about trying bloodborne next yeah that's think-
1: honestly that that's the first one that i played of the blood souls games or what, oh, what the hell do i always call it i always called Soulsborne, um of the souls titles and that was a good place to start yeah. out with and it, it's definitely one that i would recommend checking out if you're you know if you enjoyed dark souls as much as you did because it's it's actually pretty close like combat wise to how three was just uh you know without the shield you used to have a gun that used to parry attacks and stuff
4: oh i'm not good at parrying <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, don't worry, Father Gascoin will teach you, like he taught me, which took me like uh, half a fucking day just to do. I almost quit the game because of it. <laughs> you get the hang of it, though. It feels very satisfying. That's that's one of the biggest things too with these Dark Souls games is that when you get the combat master and you you know find a combination of stuff that works for you, or you find you know a setup yeah. that you really like, like it like just clicks like that. It's so satisfying, whether you it's play Dark by Souls yourself too. or what you
4: play I with others i had a club and i just smacked people with it and they went flying and it was fun <laughs> and that's dark souls everybody yeah thank you yep. for
0: sharing your tales of dark souls with us um you know like you said it, the the story's not in your face but if you want to go read some tales of lore mm-hmm. you could get some more tales of Ooh. information here
1: Okay, hold and, on real quick before you do your little transition finish up your transition here. If anybody listening does actually want to learn more about the Souls games and the lore behind them, go to YouTube and look up Vadi Vidya. He does a really good series on all the games about the lore and different characters and things like that. He's it's a great place to check out if you're interested about more of the stuff that you might not know about the games or, you know, you just want to like get a quick synopsis of a character or or locations. If you want more
0: information on the games that Jay talked about today, please.
3: Or if you want the other side of that coin, go check out Zilly the Witch. They they do these awesome videos on behind-the-scenes stuff on the game itself.
1: Yeah, yeah there's, there's a lot of good um, uh, Souls creators out there and a lot, a lot of cool perspectives from different people, too. So there's tons of stuff you can check out. And you're going to probably find something that's going to be like, wow, that's really cool. Or, wow, I, didn't know, I did not know about that. Interesting. If you'd
0: like a cool perspective on a totally different game, though... Mm-hmm. We could uh listen right now to Blue Star talk about her second best experience gaming experience of the year. Take it away Blue Star.
5: Oh boy. Uh so this gaming experience is brought to you especially by Platy who tipped Woo-hoo. me off about a uh this game being on sale on the Nintendo eShop for $15 last fall. Um so this is It was Tales, a year ago, this, yeah. Yeah, it was. This is Tales of Vesperia Definitive Edition. Um it's Uh, What a lot of people say is the best game in the series. I think if you'll look online, at least until Arise came out uh, a little bit earlier this year, um, I think you'd see about half people say Vesperia is the best one, and the other half say Symphonia is the best one. Um, So it's one that I've been wanting to play for a long time. Um, And, you know, public opinion in this case was totally right. Uh, This one easily... uh, jumped up to my second favorite in the series right behind graces um honestly the best part about it was being able to enjoy it with my brother that's the reason why i got into the tales series in the first place because i looked at the back of the box and it's like oh one to four one to four players that sounds great um so he he did most of the hard work on this one so when we play tales games usually we switch off who's sort of controlling the protagonist and running around in towns and things like that, and who's sort of playing back up, you know, maybe either on a walkthrough or looking things up that we're confused about or, you know, just doing more basic support stuff. So, my brother was playing as Yuri, the main character. I was playing mostly as Rita, who is a really cool character and also a really fun character to play because you just stand there and spam fireball the entire time. (laughs) (laughs) I think I cast fireball probably at least 10,000 times throughout the course of the whole game, which was a lot of time. so uh, yeah, he did most of the hard work for this one. But you know, even sitting out and watching for a couple of other things, I I also really enjoy the story aspect of games. So you know, it's 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 good for us. So we had a lot of fun. We actually also had some really funny moments. For for example, uh, very first thing that happened in the game is my brother died in the tutorial. Oh no. Uh, <laughs> um we were playing the game on hard mode so like that's why and it wasn't like no. you you die in the tutorial sorry you gotta start over it was a uh, you can win the fight or die and you still progress um and then another thing that i remember very fondly other than you know going up to fight the last boss in bathing suits because you know that's what you do in a tales game um we spent a full hour in battle with the post-game boss. Um, it was such a chaotic fight. We could not see a thing. We didn't know what was going on. I was just spamming spells over and over. Uh, my brother- my brother's character died probably 50 times. Um, which actually means that the tutorial probably did a pretty good job of preparing him for that. Um, (laughs) but by the time that was all over, we were just like, Oh, thank goodness. Uh, but it's definitely, definitely a fond memory, even though, you know, it's something, you know, we spent an hour fighting that boss. My mom was like, it's time for dinner. And we're like, we're in the middle of a boss fight. And an hour later, we're still in the middle of the same boss fight. Um, so yeah, it honestly, I had a lot of fun with it. It sounds like, you know, uh, I guess with, I'm, with me saying we've spent an hour fighting a boss. Blue, that sounds horrible. Why Why would you actually like this game? I have weird tastes, okay? <laughs>
1: um, Masochist.
5: <laughs> <laughs> so it, it kind of followed the older RPG models. It had a lot of missable, unmarked side quests, so this was one that I definitely used a walkthrough to go through just, just to, like, not even for like, oh, well, if you walk up here, you'll get this chest and yada, yada, yada. No, I just I just really wanted to be like, OK, so now that I've finished this boss fight, I need to walk in and out of the town three times to trigger this event before I move on. Otherwise, I'll never be able to get it. That type of thing. Um,
0: oh, so, I, you know what? There, did <laughs> Tales games have um, some really good spoiler free walkthroughs like that?
5: Um, yeah. Actually, I mean, this, the one that I had for Vesperia was pretty good. Um, it had all of the uh, side quests marked in boxes. So I'd really mm-hmm. just, like, scroll down to the next bo- box and be like, okay, so we're going to come to this point at some point, and then I need to tell my brother to go take a little detour this way. Um, so yeah, definitely, nice. y- if you, if you I look say, kind I... of... <laughs>
0: I don't know about the Tales series so much, but I know the trails of games. Like, I've used some really good spoiler-free walkthroughs like that. Like, hey, when you get to the next town, make sure you do this and this and this and then continue on with the story. Like, it it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't tell you everything. Like, there's sometimes it'll be like, stuff will happen and then you can do this. And like, that stuff that'll happen will be like 45 minutes and I'm like, oh, cool, now I can go find that hidden side quest or something.
5: Yeah, so it, honestly, they they don't make Tales games like they used to anymore. Uh, so I also played uh, Tales of Berseria, and I think I finished that very soon before we started playing Vesperia. Um, and I loved a lot of things about Berseria, but the newer models, at least for like gameplay and crafting and collecting things, it just seems a lot more open-ended and random. I like, I like games like Vesperia because you can actually get all of the things and you can actually get like a hundred percent, uh, in your monster book and your item book, and you can make every item if you want to. Um, honestly, you know, I, I, I like going for all of those little things in games. Uh, that's one of those things that, uh, helps my brain make the happy chemicals. <laughs> um, so you know being able to actually fully explore the game and knowing that hey it's attainable like like there is an end it's not like endless endless grinding for different equipment with different skills that are completely random that i have to overcome you know there there there's a set number of things to go through so um at least with Berseria and Zysteria, those are those are some of the complaints I have about the games. Even though that I even though I did still enjoy them, um, I have not had the chance to play Arise yet. I've heard that you know it does a lot of things really well, and it was praised very much when it came out. Um, mostly the reason that I haven't been able to play it yet is because I've been busy. Um, but I'm also a little bit grumpy that they took multiplayer out of it because, like I said, that was the whole reason that I got into the series. But uh, it is on my list of things to play sooner rather than later. So maybe all for my uh... years from now. Yeah, 2022.
2: That game?
5: <laughs> yeah, that's all I got on Tales right now. I feel all like right, I talk well. about tails on these a lot, but uh, that's okay. <laughs> hey, the, that's okay. We all have tail. our
0: go-to series. I was gonna say, you get you're the tails on the trails, and uh, I'll, I'm going to go into the game that made this podcast, um, Dragon Quest. So for what? Uh, my, don't talk about what? Quest I know, I know, I know. This is Dragon cycling.
5: Quest on my Dragon Quest podcast. No,
0: uh, I know, heathen. I'm gonna I'm gonna cut down a little bit from what Jay did. Jay, Jay talked three Dark Souls games. I'm gonna cut it down to two because I did play a pair of games this year, Dragon Quest games, for the first time that go very well together. Um, I played Dragon Quest Monsters 2, the 3DS remake, and uh, pretty much right after that I played the Joker 3 Professional. Um, so both games I've got a, had pretty much a lot of experience with. Dragon Quest Monsters 2 for the GBA I played the hell out of um, 15 years ago. Had a link cable bred the monsters across the link cable uh, filled the whole 312 uh, DQ decks out. I had basically did everything in the game. Uh, loved that game. Loved the key system that got you um, basically an infinite number of little worlds to go to and loved that joker 3 i played about three or four years ago um over the summer and i was i, I i've never really cared about professional i've seen all the oh you know joker professional da, 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 da why'd we get vanilla blah 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 um I, I get it i get that argument now after playing joker 3 professional um i usually do not replay games with pretty much the almost the exception of dragon quest games and i really had a good time with joker 3 professional um they, they Both of these kind of came available for fans pretty close to the same time, uh, April and May of this year. Uh, we've had Z6N4 on here a couple times on Slime Time Prime to talk about his... Uh, the first time we had him on, he talked Dragon Quest Monsters 1, he talked Joker 3, uh, both of which he had led the fan translation group for and released and then we had asked him at the time what about dragon quest monsters 2 and he's like listen man i am stuck on that there is a problem where we can't get the text boxes to flow um like there's a text box and there may be like 80 japanese characters in it but translating that in english is like 150 characters and we can't find the trigger that'll let me put that much text in there and let the text box scroll down um he called it like a needle in the haystack and for a good year, you know, I contact him off and on and he's like, eh. but um, I want to say it was a uh, someone from Cuba contacted him and they got working on it and he got a small team together and they knocked it out and released it on April Fool's Day this year. And <laughs> nice. I, I remember I got the Discord notification from his Discord um, to everybody and it was like at six o'clock in the evening like hey everybody guess what we're done um, you know here's the GitHub page and da. directions are all there and I like really quickly DM Tim is like dude it's April fools is this for real <laughs> <laughs> and, and within a half an hour he's like no 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 everybody really it's, it's out like sorry And chatting with him back and forth, April Fool's was on a Thursday, and I only know this because after talking with him, um, he's like, listen, I think that was going to be, I don't know if Easter was that weekend or whatever, but he wanted to get it out on Thursday, so knowing people might get around to it Thursday night, Friday, and then have the weekend to play it. um, There was some sort of long weekend then, maybe it was Easter weekend or something, but he's like, no, 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 he goes, like, we very intentionally released it on a Thursday didn't realize you like i'm so caught up in this i didn't realize there's april 1st so um i spent friday night april 2nd uh modifying my 3ds to be able to play the fan translation it was a long process took like two and a half hours um but really it wasn't difficult there's lots of little steps and then a lot of waiting like oh hey format your little card um wait 30 minutes as that happened and whatever but got the got that all done got my modified 3ds and i was able to then play and you know, you you can pick Kobe or Tara. There's not two games. Um, the story is, you know, you got a lo- local prince there that's an idiot. He knocks out, out this little plug in the uh, island nation's castle and water starts coming up. And oh, no, the island's going to sink because he knocked the drain off. Um, very kind of like childish humor thing. And basically, Waraboo, is it Waraboo in this one? War Worrybo.
1: Yep, warrior
0: He jumps that in the hole and plugs the boat. hole. Either way, the little fuzzy guy jumps in, plugs the hole. He's like, "Hey, I can't, I can't stay here forever." But uh, can you go get something magical that'll plug the hole, stop the drain?
1: Yeah, warrior bow is definitely a lot more um, characterized than uh, water bow was from the first game because he was mainly just like, "Oh, hey, look, you're the, you're the hero. You're gonna save us all." And then he makes some yeah, sort of comment brings about you where he, he went and then, to. Yeah, no, you're, you're talking to him the whole
0: game. You're, you're always warping back to him. Um, you kind of warp to other lands through this uh, door, you use keys. There's key key lands to go to, um, you know, pretty much like in a Dragon Quest game. You go there, you solve the problems. They're like, oh, hey, guess what? You know, we've got a big gold ball. Oh, that looks like that might plug the hole. You run back, Waraboo hops out, you put the ball in. He's like, yeah, it solved it. And then the ball goes flying off and oh, no. And he jumps back in and that's the gameplay loop. You keep going to different worlds. Um, you know, it takes like five or six hours to go through each world and, you know, you're breeding and whatever. Um, but there's a whole post game where the prince fucks something up again after you solve the whole problem and save the city and then. You know, the skies start turning black, and oh, crap, what would the prince do this time? And you have a whole nother gameplay loop to go through. Although it's kind of set up at the beginning, because at the beginning, this, like, huge dragon monster comes and gives you an egg. And the way that Z6 translated it is it's a montner. They took monster and took the S and made it an N, and I I know he had the reason for that, and I know he said it, like, how they translated it that way. Um, Can't remember the whole story there, but you get to make... Your own monster, basically. And it's got like nine different kind of typical Dragon Quest um, body types. And you can add arms and legs and put wings on it or whatever. I I went with um, kind of a big cat, kind of like the were tiger. um, But it had some different features to it and different colors. And it it starts off as like an F-class monster. I got somebody playing it right now that's like messaging me every couple days about it. And just today he messaged me and was like, hey does this thing stay F class forever? I'm like, no, like when you get it up to plus 25 rank, it turns into C and if you get up to plus 50, it turns into an A and um, post game, you can start turning everything into like any monster into an SS plus monster. And like you want to make a slime kind of, kind of like in the old games, you want to make a slime and, and make it the most amazing thing ever. You actually can in this game. Um, there are methods to go about doing that post game. Um, It was pretty cool because, like, I you know, Dragon Quest monsters, you're always breeding monsters, always getting somebody new. But this one actually had a monster that you could keep with you the whole time. And its usefulness kind of came and went until you could get it ranked up because it's a rank F. But, you know, by the end of the first island, you're catching rank D and maybe a bred a C monster anyway. um, And it's surely not keeping up with those. Uh, there was ways to get multiples of monsters. Once you caught, I think, 10 of each rank, like if you had 10 B monsters, you would go to the library and there was a B book and you'd get a B key and you take the B key to the magic door, you open it and you were kind of in a procedurally generated area that you could catch, you know, randomly who would be there. You would see all the type rank B monsters that you've seen before. So, you know, if you needed three king slimes to breed together and you only had one. It, it wasn't easy to go catch them, but there was a place that you knew that you could go get tons of King Slimes, multiples of stuff. Um, Love the post game. At the end of the post game, you start fighting dark versions of the main bosses for Dragon Quest one through four. Um, it's like a dark dragon lord. But as you know, you know, what is it? Um, know, what is it? Um, it's what was so, that?
1: Shadow Malroth. It, Yeah, so like the names of them just going off the old Game Boy Color. I know the old game. Yeah, it was Lord Drago, Lord Drago, which is for uh, Dragon Lord. Um, Gen- there was general for, uh, for Saito, which is what his yes. name was back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, there was Ezrosoma, and then there was psycho Piz, which was psycho okay. Yeah.
0: So yeah, it, the gameplay loop of the, uh, you have to go through a whole nother kind of continent and then a the big dungeon, you get up to the top and then, yeah, there's some gameplay loop up there with the big dragon that you saw at the beginning and you have to fight them. And at the end you fight the dark dream final boss. That was pretty cool. And then there was another one after that. And, um, I played for quite a while. I, I, I you know, one of my best uh, memories was I got my son hooked on this and he'd only really played a long RPG once he played sword and shield, uh, Pokemon, but I modified his three DS and got this on there. And he just, you know, he's always like dragon quest with all the stuff. And, he actually played all the way through and went all the way through post game. I mean, he put, I think, 100 hours into it, um, even more than me. And there were times where I would, like, I woke up one morning and just spent two hours uh, grinding out mini medals because I knew I was close to getting 100. And at 100, I would get one of those gold gem slimes that I was able to trade for him. He loved it. And then, like, two days later, he bred it into something else. I was like, seriously? Come on. <laughs> but, uh, um. I'll try to make it the Joker three professional, you know, it's got all the breeding stuff like the other, um, games. This was something a little bit weird because, um, we had Z six N four on over the summer and I asked him about it because I was like, Hey, you know, Joker three professional, the, the fan translation that's out there, the guy claims he's like, Oh, I found all the translation for the professional stuff, just sitting around on the internet. And guess the, they didn't want to finish it. So I finished it. And Z six N four did say, he's like, yeah, in, he he looked into it, he's like, This is our work. This is like my team's work. We just we got to a point with that game that we weren't gonna put in the effort to finish it. They do a really good job with translating graphics and getting a lot of graphics works and everything. And if you play Joker 3 professional, it doesn't look as beautiful as Z6N4's Joker 3 vanilla um there's a lot of little graphics and stuff untranslated, but the text is everything z6n4 did and then whoever this guy is and there's a link on the den with the whole thread we'll put in the show notes but he kind of took all that work that had been done finished off the last 24 25 lines and got it out there and z6n4 was a little tick the guy didn't give much credit but he's like listen man i wasn't gonna finish this i'm not gonna put in the time and effort and all the playtesting that I usually do for the game. So, you know, I'm glad it's out there for the fans. Wish the guy would have credited me a little bit more in my team. Because we did all this work on it. And, you know, just, just to say. And then the guy disappeared from the den; Never heard from him again. But it's out there and you can play it. Um, It's really cool. The The pro story at the end um, really wraps up like Joker 1 and 2. Basically every NPC and everybody's back from Joker 1 and 2 just kind of crammed at the end of Joker 3. Um. There was a lot of fun stuff. I loved playing around with the uh, changing colors. I didn't. I didn't do that in the Joker Three Vanilla. I know it was there, um, but I played around with it. I got a beautiful purple Emperor slime. Uh, that was my my crowning achievement. Um, I, this one had a better method for well, maybe a better method for getting repeats of monsters because the and, and both these games you can get online and do online tournaments, which are still going on. Um, but there's like there's like 200 people in Japan like playing this game maybe every week so you just get online and win like a battle and you're top 200 and you're getting prizes for it and in joker 3 you would get different coins like gold coins and silver coins that you could use in the uh, online shop and you could buy any monster that you've already had so like i did i went through the whole process of getting emperor slimes um to get the emperor slime and then i could just go and buy five more of them so it was really easy to make really high level stuff as long as you could grind up to you know certain parts um uh, in joker 3 you could ride on monsters and there used to be different monsters that you could only ride on land on water um and fly in the sky in joker 3 they made it so like or the professional any monster can swim any monster can fly any monster can jump up and down mm. um you've got this little I, I i know there's a name for them, Nachero or whatever there's Little guy, it almost looks like one of those beaked monsters with the two legs and just a head mm-hmm. um, that follows you around. And in this game, he could ride on monsters. You could ride on a monster. He could ride on a monster. If you go into battle together, um, you can fuse your monsters together that you're riding and it would create a bigger slot version of the one that your main character was on. So I used to go into a lot of battles towards the whole post game. I'd have my Platinum King Jewel Slime I'd be riding. I'd have my little sidekick riding on an Emperor Slime. I'd go into a battle, and their stats, like, add up together. Um, and suddenly I'd have this, like, four-slot Platinum King Jewel Slime that would just hardly ever get hit and just knock the shit out of people. It, it was fun. <laughs> just, like, tank the end of the game like that. Although... I never did completely finish it. The last boss has just flattened me a dozen times. <laughs> and uh, the last freaking final, final, final dungeon in the game is just a frickin maze that I've probably spent like four hours to get through. Uh, and I got to save right at the end of it in front of the boss and I've tried and I've tried and I've tried. I'm like, at this point I'm like, okay, I have put in like 60, 70 hours and I, I really don't want to go through all the breeding to get Uber skills and Uber this and Uber that to do what I need to do to beat the final, 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 boss
1: but yeah it's weird that these boss. joker games always seem to do some sort of maze as like one of their final dungeons because i remember joker 2 did that exact same thing That there was a a maze dungeon like towards the end of the game and it was just like why is this here this is a, this seems really out of place yeah this like, one was
0: weird and it it had like electrical fences that if you touch the fence you got warped back to the beginning so it's like oh my god first of all if i can't find my way through the maze and then i just touch this and i'm at the beginning again like no, it's like a
1: warp maze, like that's like a Shin Megami Tensei warp maze sort uh-huh. of shenanigans. It's ridiculous. It, it was
0: rough, but I mean, honestly, absolutely loved it. Joker 3 Pro, it, it was worth playing again, um, and it just it, it was it was really cool. And cool. Dragon Quest Monsters 2, the remake, that was awesome as well. So I, I put in a good 140 hours with those games, and. Back to back and just had a really good time with Dragon Quest for three months. Games I hadn't had before. So new Dragon Quest. I think it was that 25th anniversary or 35th anniversary that kicked it off. Mm-hmm. So all right. Talk about kicking things off. We're gonna kick off our best games of the year. And
3: I've already forgot the order. Wow, oh, Brilliant. We're
0: gonna go with your number one.
3: Oh boy. It's a big one one yeah, that came out it's, this year. Um, it, it, this one actually came out this year the other two were in 2016 and I just was lazy and finally got around to this year. but this one I uh, played well not the day it came out because I actually couldn't find any copies for it anywhere the day it came out and I went to I went to like seven to ten different stores trying to find a copy and just nobody had a copy and uh, that was uh, Metroid Dread for the Switch were you dreadfully excited to play it? I was dreadfully excited to play it and dreadfully sad when I couldn't find a copy on the day that, that it came out that's dreadfully awful I'm sorry I know but uh, the next day I was able to find a copy um, I woke up and you know the, the store nearest me had a copy so I went and I picked it up this, th- this one is uh, one that was, what, almost 20 years in the making? Because the last uh, Metroid game we got was 2004, which was Fusion. So I've been waiting for this for a long, long time. Like, this this came out when I was just... Er, Fusion came out when I was just going into college. And now here, you know, all these decades later, we got the, finally get the sequel. And... Apparently the kind of closing of the book on this chapter of the Metroid saga as the developers uh, I think said pretty much but um gosh what is there to say about it Metroid good play Metroid um it's uh, Metroid
1: good play Metroid Metroid. More. Mid- Metroid
3: good So now on to Jay's number 1 game of the year <laughs> <laughs> uh,
4: I uh,
5: no
1: know. no no it's not
3: really it <laughs> but you
4: never be so silly, people
3: the the developers for the, this game you know it was co-developed with Nintendo uh, Mercury Steam were the people that did this game and they they really outdid themselves on this game They did the previous remake of Metroid 2 on the 3ds and I was I was okay with that one I wasn't too uh, too thrilled by it to be honest I thought it was just okay and when I heard that they were also doing this one I was like kind of uh, cautiously optimistic about it because I I, I, I'm also I was always just all just kind of annoyed that Metroid since the second game well except Super Metroid they've all been on um, handhelds like even the remake of Metroid one which was zero mission so one of my favorite Nintendo franchises has just been relegated to handhelds, and you know people get excited for them in the moment, but hey, you know New Zelda game out, so everybody forgets about Metroid. Um, but that's uh, that's that's my diatribe on that. The game itself is great. Uh, it starts out really, really strong, of you basically getting um, baited into visiting a planet because at the end of fusion the uh x parasites are still kind of um they should they should be extinct and at the beginning of the game someone sends in a a video of "Uh oh there's one on this planet we should go down and check it out and immediately samus gets attacked by somebody and per metroid fashion she loses all of her abilities and she has to work her way through the you know the map to get them all back and maybe even get some new abilities along the way uh The whole Emmy structure of the game, the whole kind of, you know, dread, which is why it was called Metroid Dread, they were sent in to deal with the uh, X-Parasites, and they are not heard of long after getting onto the surface of the planet, so you as the bounty hunter, and who has dealt with the X-Parasite, and who is immune to the X-Parasite, go down to the planet to find out just what is going on, and, um throughout most of the game talking to talking to your computer adam you kind of get a just a rundown on everything that's been going on as you've been working your way through the game it's it's really hard to talk about the game because you can't really talk about it without spoiling stuff as things goes along if you've played a metroid game before you've played this one you get new areas you get new power ups to you know, use those power ups to go to new areas i do like that they improved the melee system from the 3ds version playing this game on a big tv with an actual controller instead of using a 3d a small crampy 3ds controller is great Any game not on handheld is the game for me uh when you put it on a small screen and small controls um i don't have tiny hands so it's uh it, it's nice when you can use like a pro controller to play these games uh, the initial time, it took me about 15 hours to get through, but I I enjoyed the game so much that I turned around and beat it again, like, the next day. So I, I took it from doing a 15-hour clear, and my second clear, I got it in, like, 3 hours and 20 minutes, which is nice, pretty... Pretty Dang. fast, yeah, yeah. It was. I had the critical path memorized, so I just, I just booked through it again. Nice. Mm-hmm. And um, you get different rewards on your save file for completing it in certain times with item percentages uh, up. So you know, if you get a hundred percent items and you complete it in under uh, however many hours, I think it was under four hours or under six hours, you get a, you get a bunch of extra unlockables for the gallery and stuff like that. But, so yeah. you
1: didn't buy the Amiibos, did you?
3: I still have not been able to find the Amiibos.
1: But were you able to get 100% without the Amiibos?
3: Yeah, so the all the Amiibos do is they give you one extra missile tank mm-hmm. and one extra energy tank that don't yep. count towards completion.
1: Okay, thank God. Because everybody yeah. was worried about that one and be like, oh, they locked that behind that, so it's good to hear that that is not yeah. the case. Because everybody yeah, was cause afraid about that. I know that
3: for sure. So, yeah, the only... I found out about that when I was reading their website. And, you know, if you use any of the other Metroid amiibos, um, like I've got the ones from the 3DS game of the Metroid and the the old, the non-Smash Samus. And those will heal you, or one of them will heal you completely once every 24 hours. And the other one will completely fill your missiles up once every 24 hours. Um, some other the random ami- amiibos work with it as well. But if you've got other Metroid amiibos, they will work. But they don't unlock anything. They just they just recharge that one time, which mm-hmm. is helpful if you're having problems with certain bosses. Um, yeah, Mercury Steam really outdid themselves. Uh, I enjoyed a lot of the boss battles. Um, I do know that a lot of people had kind of a critical or a criticism about how some of the bosses required. Well, all the bosses require melee counters to eventually defeat. Because if you don't, it can take even longer because you basically the melee encounters kind of shortcut the, the boss health down a little bit more but yeah also it's one of those things of talking about the bosses just kind of spoils the game so metroid good play metroid <laughs>
1: I'm, glad we, I'm glad i'm glad metroid. you made that joke again i was hoping you would <laughs> metroid good
3: metroid good well, the you know. suit design was also really good.
1: Yeah. So real quick question about that. Does she get that suit like after the events of that of the beginning of the game or is it one that she starts off
3: with? What do you, uh, you, you with, mean? The with with the, you know, with the white and the blue suit that they show. in the Oh, that's stuff. that's what you start with. That's what you start with. OK. Yeah. After you're on the planet and all of your uh, abilities get revoked, mm-hmm. basically, you start with that because. You know, you got the cutscene, and that happens to her, and she gets up and she looks at her suit, and you're just like, "Oh, all right, let's go kill shit."
4: Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Blue Dabadine, now you die. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, moving on from Metroid to a uh, another quite quite famous uh, game series. Here we start. Matt mentioned it back in. Uh, His uh, number two game, the Final Fantasy series. But Jay, what was your Final Fantasy
4: that uh, you thought the world of this year? Yes, that was a world of Final Fantasy, specifically the Maxima version, because all of my games have to have suffixes.
3: (laughs) Honestly, Um, I I don't I don't feel like you can you can really play that game without playing that version at this
4: point. Yeah, uh, I got it on Switch. It was on sale. I think it was like $15. I'm like, sweet. And so it is kind of more like Dragon Quest monsters than Final Fantasy. You have your two main characters, uh, Lan and Rain, I believe their names are, and they have the power to imprison with an M uh, monsters and turn them into allies. So once you find out that time has stopped flowing in your world, you use those powers to try and figure out what's going on and how to get everything back to what it's supposed to be doing. You have a whole bunch of monsters from all different Final Fantasy games that you can befriend and level up and they, as they do they get skill points which you can put into a sphere grid looking thing. As you go along you can usually unlock like variations of certain monsters like you can have a yellow chocobo, a black chocobo, and a white chocobo. And you can switch between them freely, and they all have their own sphere grids. It's very nice. I loved the plot of it because it's, it's like if Kingdom Hearts didn't take itself seriously. It's very jokey, a lot of physical humor. I have this one clip of you spend most of your traveling on a train that's run by this little cactuar conductor. And there's this scene where you're in like this graveyard, and he has a train all dressed up to be like spooky. And he sneaks up behind Rain and shouts at her. She flips out, tries to punch him, and he just, like, zips back and forth. And it, like, jump cuts to him, her trying to hit him again and zips again. And he's like, you do that a couple times. It's like watching a cartoon. And pretty much the whole game is like that. Yes, there's a picture of it. Thank you, buddy. <laughs> that is your background, isn't it?
0: No, no, no. That, that, that'd be it. I love the game. up. That's not the background. Oh, okay. That's
4: just, like, the splash screen, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, So I like you can have uh, monsters in three different sizes, small, medium, and large. And you create two groups of three consisting of the two heroes and then either a small and a large monster. You stack them all up, a large on the bottom, a medium in the middle, and a small on top and the main heroes can each play as a large or a medium character and i went through most of my game with ifrit because he gets remarkably strong at the end of the game and absorbs fire and has auto float. so a lot of these enemies that use fire or earth attack your entire stack is just completely immune to it because your resistances are all pooled together uh i'm not really sure how to write reviews i don't know why you keep bringing me all this stuff
1: not really I'm a right. review it's just you giving your opinion <laughs>
4: yeah uh here's my opinion i don't think I good so does does it play more
0: like one of the older games or like the newer games it's the battle system Soldier, wise
1: it's atb ish but oh, there we no, go let him finish let him finish
4: <laughs> it's not you as atb a, as it sounds you you can make it wait i played on wait Basically, you, uh,
1: basically, uh, Plattie, you have, like, it's like when the bar loads on kinda... the side for your character. Yeah, the planet, it's yeah. their yeah. turn. Like
4: it's, you also have like yeah. action points. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, um, Final Fantasy Four: Heroes of Light. If you guys played that one, or I guess kind of like really Default. Not
1: really, Platy, You know how Grandia works, where the where you have the bar that shows you, and then when it gets full for the character, then it pauses, mm-hmm. and then they can take their action. It's like that. Okay.
4: Yeah, it's well, like Grandia
1: gameplay, a, so you'd probably that's
4: like how it. Yeah. One, but like you have like these action points, and like fire costs three action points, Firea costs five, and firega costs like eight or something like that. And it, every time your turn comes up, you get a couple of action points that you can use or not, and save up for something big. Uh, stacking up certain units with the same skills gets you enhanced versions. Like if you have two characters that have fire, fire, you get Firea, and if you have two characters with Firea, you get Fireaga or you can make some weird combinations like Firega, Naga, and Blazaga and get Ultima and that's fun. It's oh geez, that, fun. That, you know what
0: that you mentioned it earlier that makes me think of uh, the way that all the the remakes and the uh, DS and 3DS uh, skills work on or the skill sets work on Dragon Quest monsters. Yeah, like to get their uh, Uber you abilities, to you know,
4: certain skills to yep. get weird stuff or stuff that you're not supposed to have yet. Mm. And like I made this joke because I was finding this boss and used like fireja like a tier four spell. And I'm a, I had a team of Ifrit and Ruby Dragon, and both of those are healed by fire. And I'm like, oh no, Fireja, <laughs> whatever am I gonna do? And because how resistances like pool together for your whole team, even if you have someone who's weak to fire, you can have it basically gets like canceled out, so it's just regular immunity instead of absorption and like there's like you have this like super powerful attack that's supposed to be like a major threat they even warn you about it ahead of time and it's like oh well that's not even a problem anymore is it
0: hmm. interesting I- i've never really heard anybody talk about it i mean i've like read a review or two here and there and i, and I know it's been out forever All uh, the show- pop.
4: Mm-hmm. they never what they never made merch for it for some reason oh like such yes, a wasted it's- opportunity this, I want to talk about. It's weird.
3: It, it, it's just one of those games that completely flew under the radar. It just as, and then you know, like a year or two later, they came out with that maximum version. It's just like what?
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like that's where you want to spend your resources. If you had the uh original version, you could upgrade it to maximum for like five. Like it was like, oh no! I remember seeing like
3: ten or fifteen. Yeah, at, no, like it wasn't that system. cheap. Yeah. But, yeah, ever since then, Square does not talk about that game in any capacity.
4: Nope. Neither does m- almost anybody, it seems. Like I said, I'm the only person. It's just you. <laughs> oh, well. I enjoyed it. It was my game of the year this year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And the... it was. The, uh... it was- it was funny it made me laugh a lot like the very i, I first, do love
0: games that don't take themselves seriously
4: the very first scene lon's like working at this cafe and this girl comes in and he's like hey can i have some sugar he brings over like a jar of sugar cubes and like watches in agony as she keeps putting in more and more and more cubes and it's like as someone who's worked in retail you know how that feels like you have to have like that fake Smile plastered on as you watch someone do something completely ridiculous, like put an entire jar of sugar cubes in their coffee.
0: Mm. <laughs> All right, well, you've made your case for your favorite game of the year. It's time for our last guest to make their case for their best game that they played this year, or should I say, games? Blue Star.
5: Objection. Oh no, wait. I am Blue Star. Sorry. uh It is <laughs> late, and I am very tired. Um. But my that was her objection the-
0: <laughs> to going last. <laughs> mm.
5: So uh, my number one game for the year is actually the Great Ace Attorney Chronicles, which is a game that came out in 2021, which is surprising for me. I don't. I, it's well, it's
3: it's, it's a not, visual novel, so I'm not surprised.
5: Yeah, I'm go. I'm yeah, visual novel seems to be my uh, theme this year. Um.
3: In
1: blues words, visual novel good.
5: Yeah, visual novel good. Uh, This is actually my first um, experience with the Ace Attorney series in general, Uh, and I have to say I was quite pleasantly surprised. Um, It was actually something that you know my mom back in you know August was asking, hey, what kinds of things do you want to like? What do I get your brother for his birthday? And I was like, okay, he's been talking about this Ace Attorney game that's coming out, so you should get that for him. And then he comes home right before his birthday, and we, like, mentioned it, and he's like, yeah, I didn't really, like, like, I've been watching a streamer play it, so I didn't really think I needed to play it by myself, and my mom shoots me a look like you told me he wanted this game, and I'm like, I'm sorry. Uh, But he ended up really being excited that he got the game, and he was like, blue you need to you need to play this because I, I sort of know how the puzzles work for the first couple sections because I haven't seen the whole thing yet um, so I ended up playing it and when he went back to school I then uh, actually streamed it to him um, <laughs> uh, so yeah it was it was a lot of fun um it was kind of a period setting which I enjoy a lot uh, like 1900. England. Um, one of the characters is actually named Herlock (laughs) Sholmes. Not Sherlock Holmes, Herlock Sholmes. No, not at all. No, not at all. Um. What are
4: you talking about? That's not Sherlock.
5: No, definitely not. He's, he's a consulting detective, but he's, and, and he wears a deerstalker hat. Um, but he's a complete moron. So it totally, totally is not that character. Um, do not do us. But honest, honestly, the, the character interactions in the game are absolutely phenomenal. Um, The story across the two, because Great Ace Attorney Chronicles is a uh, sort of collection of Great Ace Attorney adventures and Great Ace Attorney Resolve. So it's a duology and it is a complete story in itself and, you know, traveling across it with the characters and seeing how they develop across everything was a lot of fun. Um, What I did find out about Ace Attorney is that there's a, there's a couple times where you you as the player very uh conceivably can figure out more things than the game wants you to at that point um so like i I'd, I'd be like okay so this is what happens so i should present this piece of evidence on this line and it would be like no the game doesn't want you to make that conclusion yet first you got to establish this other thing and it's like oh but, that's but, dumb but, but but it's right yeah. there but <laughs> But <laughs> so, that's so there, stupid. <laughs> there, there are a couple where you, you kind of have to take a step back and like, okay, all of these people in the jud- judiciary system are dumbasses you got to walk them through it step by step. How do you go about doing that? Um, <laughs> but, That's
4: dumb. <laughs> you can't present banana peel as evidence. You have to present the picture of the banana peel.
5: Yes, more or less, um, because the important thing is the fact that this banana peel was laid out in this specific uh, orientation in this photograph.
1: You better bring the monkey in that also ate that banana, too, so you can show him how he peeled the banana to get the banana peel down there.
5: Yep, absolutely. Uh, but
4: you had a specific time otherwise it doesn't count try again (laughs) that's not the right
5: monkey i i want to say like 90 percent of the time it was like it was it was like really clever really like nuanced like you're you're like okay what the heck do i do with all of this and you're just like flipping through all of the evidence that you have and you something catches your eye and you're like oh oh that doesn't add up with what this person said at all um but then there there are a couple that are pretty obscure that uh just sort of leaves you presenting random things and the judge calls you an idiot and takes away one of your uh lives type of thing but lives don't really matter in that game if you lose all your lives you essentially just restart from the last autosave, which is usually, usually right like, like 30 seconds of gameplay back if you like have already read all the (laughs) testimony and things like that so yeah i had a lot of fun with it um i know uh glaceon mage on the den uh this is one of their favorite games of all time uh so i know they would very much recommend it as well so it it was a lot of fun um i don't know if i will then go to play the uh main ace attorney games after that but it's not out of the realm of possibility at
1: this point haven't they
4: Yeah, it's all, all in like one no collection. I
5: have no idea, actually. It's all um, in one
4: collection, yeah. It's pretty much on every point. console at this point. Room 3 is on everything at this point. Yep. Yeah. Okay. In, like, a collection. Uh,
5: I wonder if my brother will be so. like, hey, 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 we should do more Ace Attorney stuff.
4: Well, Blue, if your brother is potentially not necessarily interested in Ace Attorney, you could trick him with the Professor Layton crossover.
5: Oh, he's he's uh, familiar with the Professor Layton crossover.
4: I love it. Okay. <laughs> my
1: list.
5: It's like the weirdest thing I've ever heard of, but... It
1: totally makes sense, though, considering what both of them do, but yeah, it's really weird. But it seems like there's, well, for one, different art styles entirely, and it seems like they're in different time periods, but anyway.
4: Didn't stop Kingdom Hearts.
1: <laughs> well, that's because Kingdom Hearts doesn't give a shit. <laughs> well, you got Blue telling you that the Great
0: Ace Attorney took place in the 1900s in England, so apparently these can take place anywhere.
1: Yep, well, it's because it's a pre period to the...
5: Yeah, it's a prequel the, to but, the other
1: Ace Attorney games, so yeah. like it's his ancestor.
4: Yeah. Yep.
5: The the Great Ace Attorney is not Phoenix Wright.
4: No. It's Herlock Sholmes.
5: No, it's not. No, it's his Herlock... ancestor.
4: I, I, I know, I was just making a joke. <laughs> I, Herlock I I Shulmes is,
5: bu- is, is brilliant, though.
4: It's Mace Materney. Sherlock Sholmes and his assistant, Watson. Wilson, Sherlock. actually. Watson. Wilson. What? Is it a is beach that... volleyball? I was
5: going <laughs> to...
1: You made the joke before I could. I'm glad we both thought the same thing. <laughs> yep, I was going to say, is he kind of roundish? Got a weird batter in his face? Doesn't it's say just much? Just a man keeps running around with him going, Wilson, what it's... are we going to do? I'm sorry.
5: It actually might be a 10-year-old girl, Uh, but...
1: Oh, no. it's a little deflating. <laughs> You know, I always thought that movie was missing that element to it. Oh wow, she's really tired. She thought that was super funny.
0: Oh, I was. Yeah, I guess you're... I'm funny. I keep trying to tell you that.
1: Yeah, funny looking.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Gonna give you another picture of uh, edible underwear. What? <laughs> That's just interpretive art. That's all it was. <laughs>
4: I thought that was a necklace.
0: It was definitely not a necklace, and I said it wasn't a necklace. I specifically
4: said that. I don't
1: know what
0: that. Serious. <laughs> uh, the I there back afterwards. Got I'm like,
4: you earlier, gotta realize I
1: almost made a joke about how it being underwear related, and then sure enough, when Platty told me uh, elsewhere that that's what it was, it's like, oh shit, the joke would have worked. <laughs> yep, <Yeah>, it would
4: have. <laughs> man, I just got You blinding. were spot
1: on, man. <laughs> like, damn, I should have gone with my instincts. <laughs> uh, if you would Could like to know that. what
0: we're talking about, maybe you should join Barrian's official unofficial Dragons Den Discord. The link to which is in our show notes.
1: Yes.
5: Oh no, I know what you guys are talking about now.
1: <laughs> yep, that's why you were laughing so hard for a little bit ago. You were just uh... like, candy necklaces that aren't necklaces. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's okay. You don't. It's have to in worry your about own
5: Discord. Go back to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> We're bad admins.
3: <laughs> Badmins. Badmins. <laughs> <We've> all...
5: <laughs> Welcome oh. to the part of the show that is just incoherent blabbering because we are all exhausted.
3: Yeah, we
0: are rounded in on midnight here, so I will uh, get to my number one game and then we'll uh, call it to a close. Blue, if you do need to go, uh, feel free. Um, I can, I
5: can add some, uh, uh, laughter for flavor probably for this last section.
0: All right. Since this game's (laughs) one that I can't really talk much about the story because, you know, we're, we're, we're suddenly five games deep into the, uh, the trails of series here. Um, What's Didn't funny you just is
1: talk about this game on the last episode of Side Quest 3 did
0: does it have a, <laughs> is Estelle in it? She is in it. She does make an appearance. Oh. Uh, I don't think that's much of a spoiler because gosh, in these games it they're cumulative. By the time yeah. you get to Steel 3 and 4, you've got what 30, 40 characters that you can do. Um, my number one game last year was uh, Trails from Zero, the Zero no Koseki, the first of the two Crossbell games. And my number one game this year is the second one, the uh, second Crossbell game. And you guys are talking about games that were released in the past. I'm talking about one that's yet to come, at least to America. Um, so this is the second of the Crossbell games in the Kiseki series. The uh, you know There's the three Trails in the Sky games, two Crossbell, four Trails of Cold Steel, and there's more going on beyond that but these games came out for the PSP and then there were Vita remakes um, earlier in the decade or middle of last decade should I say Um, these games never came over. Trails in the Sky came over, Trails of Cold Steel came over the Crossbell games did not uh, the first Crossbell game though is coming out in 2022 followed by the next Crossbell game in apparently early 2023 so you've still got a year or so to do it Um, last year I had Played Trails in the Sky three in November. Uh, played through Zero in at Christmas. You know, all the way through Christmas. Talked about it at the end of the year show, and then I went straight into this game. Put about twenty four hours into it. Twenty four hours into it last January, and was like, man, I've I've just done about one hundred and fifty hours of Trails in a row. I, I need to I need to pause. And luckily, twenty four hours in, there was a lovely chapter called Intermission. I'm like, Perfect, yeah, you were
1: knocking even. these games out left and right
0: i really was last year yeah like and then it was like whoa and i'd even beat trails in the sky too earlier in the year so probably 200 hours of trails like in six months and like right now i'm burnt out on dragon quest just for all that dragon quest monsters this summer yeah i was burnt out on trails for a while like okay i gotta set it aside so set it aside in january and picked it back up uh right before thanksgiving and holy cow i blew through like 40 hours of gameplay in 10 days um Again, I, I've talked about this before. I love the combat in, in all the trails of games. It's, it reminds me so much of Grandia um, with everybody. It, it's actually got like the Final Fantasy X. You see everybody's turn order. But, you know, when you go to cast a spell or something or it takes time. And when the monsters are casting spells, it takes time and you can knock into them and cancel their spell casting. Um, everything's got area of effects. You've got cones, you've got circles, you've got straight lines. Um, So just like the Grandia games, there's all that, like your position here, you're on a grid. I was playing the PSP version, fan translation of it, and it it pretty much is Trails in the Sky combat. Uh, It's interesting, and I was talking to Angus about it as I got into the first game last year, and then even more into the second game here. And I've been playing Cold Steel 2 um, for the past week, and man, you can you play these games in order and you can follow the evolution of the battle system. Like they put a, this break system into the second crossbell game where it starts off in boss fights or in certain areas, you can fill up a break meter. And if the break meter fills up, you can use it. All of a sudden the background just disappears. It looks like you're fighting them in outer space, but you just get your turns, boom, 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 right in order. And if you cast a spell, it happens instantly. Um, so if you've got, like, four or five people lined up, like, you can just, like, really wail on them with some high-level spells, hit them, heal yourself, you know, just, you, you take a break you know, from the battle and just can do a bunch of stuff in order. And then playing Cold Steel 2, that's something you can do also. Like, it, it only does, like, three turns in a row, but, um, like, you can see, oh, well, that led right into what they did in the Cold Steel games and whatnot. So there are a lot of, I I don't want to really say anything from the plot too much. Um, It follows right after the first Crossbell game. It takes place in the big town of Crossbell. Crossbell is between the Calvard Empire, which is where the Trails of series is going next, um, and the Empire of Erebonia, which is where all the Cold Steel games are set. And these two games take place during the events of Cold Steel 1 and 2. Uh, And it's interesting because it just it spoils a lot of plot points for Cold Steel one and two, which I mean, whatever, it came out years before them. So it told all these things like, oh, man, did you hear an Erebonia? Blah, 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 blah. And then later in the game, you hear the twists like oh guess what da, 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 da. and I'm like oh man I didn't know that I've only played Cold Steel 1 holy crap now I know what's going to take place in Cold Steel 2 at least one of the major beats but at the same time things happen in Crossbell um, there's the, Zemuria, the West Zemuria Trade Conference that is talked
1: about quite a bit in Cold Steel 1 and you get to play Oh yeah conference. they talk about that quite yep. a bit I remember that.
0: Oh yeah it's oh my gosh what was going on there and then this and then this and ah, da 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 Things going down. Yep. I played through the trade conference in January and it was once that all settled down, that was like the intermission cha- chapter. So I was like, oh, perfect. Ooh, That was an intense couple hours of gameplay there and something that I recognized from years ago in Cold Seal 1. Oh, man.
1: Um, I'm curious then if the, some of the characters showed up then, but well, that, that's a, yep. that's something for another time. <laughs> talk about on here and <laughs>
0: what happens to the gorilla was it the gorilla fortress in cold steel one yeah. um you, the heck you start cold steel one in the gorilla fortress don't you like yeah that's
1: that, like a. it's like a flash like forward like of what the opening come.
0: game yep yep so you know that that's covered there and i will say it the, the, the second crosswell game it's excellent i love that it focuses on one town one area and you've been playing two games here you know i've spent like 125 hours in this one city but it never really gets old it, it, it's familiar You're You're going to, you know, there's a new dungeon every now and then you're going all over. They give you a fast travel option way better in this game. The first game you're taking a bus everywhere in this game, they give you a car. So uh, you're able to travel a little bit um, to certain locations, a little bit more basically like a zoom function. Um, And it's just it's familiar, you know, the places you're going to, but things are always happening. Things are always changing. The city's threatened because, I mean, why not? They're always getting threatened. <laughs> there's got to be some threat in the game. And it's not, you know, God's coming to kill everybody. Oh, my gosh. Um, but there's a lot of mystical stuff. Because in these games, you know, everybody's using weird ancient arts and whatnot. Um, but it, it was really cool. And it ends on a pretty sad note. Like, you're like, oh, damn. Like, crap. I can't imagine for... and. But I've already played Cold Steel One, Cold Steel Two. You kind of know if you've followed it all. I don't know plot points, but just by seeing box art for Cold Steel Three and Four, um, you, you kind of know what's going on there, a little bit at least. And but it, this ends on a really kind of—it's not a cliffhanger. It wraps up the stories in Crossbell, but. Because there's so many more games taking place on this continent, so many more games taking place in the bigger world of it, there's uh there's a lot more story. And this one kind of ends at the end of it, that you just kind of get a bunch of scenes and you know, like the postscript, like, uh oh, at the end so-and-so did this and so-and-so did. And you're like, holy crap, that's not good. <laughs> you know, months after, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, well, geez. So I- I'm very interested to see what's gonna go on with uh The rest and probably I'll probably burn out again after Cold Seal 2 and have to put three and four off till uh, like maybe next holiday season. But I've played six or seven hours of Cold Seal 2 now. And even them talking like, hey, you know, Guerrilla Fortress is over this way and blah, 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 blah. You know, did you hear about what was going on in Crossbell? I'm like, actually, I did. I was there.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because during those events, they talk about a lot of stuff that was going on in Crossbell. In uh, Cold Steel mm-hmm. One specifically, so that's interesting. Then that co- that Crossbell does the inverse, you know, and and does a lot of the like, oh, this is going on over there in Arabonia right now, blah blah blah.
0: Yeah, um, we're currently, uh, what, about a year ago, I had a huge article on RP Gamer, and it's still there. um, Like, hey, Dragon Quest series, where to start? And we covered, uh, I wrote like 85% of it, but it wrote about like 42 different Dragon Quest games. Like, if you like, you know, if you like board games, try out the Itadaki Street games. You know, if you like Pokemon, maybe the Dragon Quest Monsters games are for you. And just kind of hit like every sub-series and just gave a couple paragraphs. Well, we're doing that with the... uh, all the uh, Legend of Heroes games, even going back to the NES ones. Uh, And I just finished writing, (laughs) I wrote a five-paragraph essay about the Crossbell games, and my last paragraph is like, do not start with these games. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like plot points, because honestly, if you play Cold Steel 1 and 2, it ruins some plot points from... The Crossbell games, and if you play the Crossbell, it ruins plot points from the Cold Steel, so you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, though. But since these games aren't out, like, officially, you can, you were able to, for a while, play the Geofront translations. Uh The fan group got permission and was able, you, you could buy the games through Chinese servers, apply the patch officially, um, but Falcom paid them off. Falcon bought their translation, and that is the translation that, uh what is it, Exceed we'll be putting into the oh, switch for these games oh wow oh, nis america Yep. yeah that's pretty cool I, mean, I was
1: wondering if they'd use that translation or not yep
0: they did so you cannot you can't get the geo front translations anymore part of the deal was pull down your freely but i mean they've been out there so yeah That's awesome, though,
1: that they'll be able to support. And I kind of like it when I've heard of other stories like that, where like if a translation group does something and a company's planning to release the game, that they'll be like, hey, we want to use your translation because it's so good.
0: Yeah, and I know Geofront had spent a lot of time getting names right and whatever. Um... (sighs) Yeah. When I played the Zero no Koseki last year, it was not a Geofront translation. It was something earlier. Um, And, I mean, it was fine. I mean, there's player... The player names, like Estelle's in there and Joshua from the Sky Games, make a little appearances and whatever. And, I mean, the big stuff's in there. Uh, There was, like, maybe a spell that was something different that was not exactly the way it was in the Sky Games. But, I mean, the Sky Games are out here in English, so whoever fan translated that one is pretty good um and the second one i think is an early leak of the geofront translation that somebody then backported into the uh psp version and i i thought it was really good um it it was better than the first one so i, I did i did play some fan translations of the old psp titles it was a little hard because i'd been playing the vita versions of sky 2 and sky 3 and Going back to PSP was a little rough, but, you know, I played 120 some hours of them, so it didn't take too long before I was like, oh, here we go. Mm -hmm. And now it's like, oh, good. I'm back to a little bit more modern times with uh, Cold Steel (laughs) 2. But I mean, it. I just I really like these games that I mean, they are JRPG as hell, but you're not fighting God. You're not. It, it's got a lot of power of friendship. Oh, my God. You know, work hard and you can do it if it doesn't say that 10 million times in the game. Welcome to Japanese RPGs.
1: Yeah, well, it, yeah. it, it's all about presentation. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. That's what makes these games dreams. a little more tolerable than, uh, say, another series we were talking about earlier. It doesn't really make it like the focal front point. It actually makes these characters. Never mind. I'm not going to keep going on because I'm just going to rant ramble at that point. Basically, I like the presentation style of um, how Trails does that kind of shit. You know, It doesn't mm-hmm. make it like, oh, my God, this is going to make me... Bash my head in with a hammer.
0: And, I mean, the crossbow games are pretty cool because, I mean, the Sky games, you're bracers. You're just a bunch of do-good people walking around, solving people's problems all over the place. Uh, the crossbow games, you're part of the police. Like, you're you're part of the police force. You're the uh, special support services, which is pretty funny because it's formed because the police have a bad reputation in the first game. And so they're like, we're going to form this little group and you're going to listen to requests in the city and do the requests. And, like, almost the whole game, you're getting ragged on by the police, like, ha, you're basically Bracers. And it's like, actually, you are. <laughs> like, they, they just need an excuse to keep the gameplay loop exactly yeah. like the Sky games. But uh, Yeah,
1: it's weird, too, with this series, because, like, what is it? Cold Steel actually addresses that, where a lot of people view Bracers in the series as, like, a lowly job or... You know, mm-hmm. it's not really that great at all. Even though some people are like, "Oh, you know, being a bracer is really cool." Like it's it's like yeah. looked down upon pretty badly in some of the games and in some. point pl- well,
0: uh, in Cold Steel, in the Arabonia. The country of Arabonia, they're pretty much ousted. Mm -hmm. They're not there. Yeah, there's a bracer. What's funny is there's a bracer guild in Crossbell, and you 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 pair up with them quite a bit. But it's like, well, you're doing the same thing we are, and and that gives the excuse for um, you know, the cameos of Estelle and Joshua and some other characters because hey, they're brazers. Remember a couple Mm -hmm. years ago when we met up and solved the problems in Liberal? Mm -hmm. Uh, You got any problems here? We'll we'll come by every now and then. So. Just an excellent game. That, that duology. I, I it was a little over a year and a half ago. I think I put on our uh, our old Facebook group the uh, Turn based one. I was like, okay, for those of you who played it, like I keep hearing like this. Everybody loves the Crossbell games. Like. What makes them better than Sky or better than Cold Steel? And I got a lot of nastier plans, replies of just, just play it, you'll find out. Well, oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, like for me, why I like them better, and I don't know, I've, I've only played a quarter of Cold Steel at this point. Um, it, it's not. Like like, Trails in the Sky gets a lot of metaphysical stuff and huge ancient cultures and all this stuff. And Crossbell's like, you're solving the problems of a city. I visited that baker at the beginning of every chapter in both games and got some neat recipes from him for good bread that'll revive me and take away the burn status and whatever. Um, I just know to stop by his place every five hours, and you know you're solving little political problems in the city, like oh, the mayor needs this, the councilman this, and it, it's not huge concepts,
4: mm-hmm.
0: and it, and it's done well. It, it's a good battle system. It's got good music. Um, it, it's just really done well. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, obviously, it set the stage for the Cold Steel games and. You know, Falcom's, Falcom's cranking them out now. We're getting the translations of everything. So, obviously, it's picked up. It's become popular enough that we're getting these things.
4: <laughs>
5: bread is not a huge concept. <laughs> bread
0: <laughs> good. Bread. Let me tell you, for the baker right next to your special support service uh, area, it is not. The fact that he can come up with a new recipe every chapter of every game, you know.
5: Bread good.
1: Yeah, bread, bread. good. Bread good, eat bread. bread good. <laughs> Tell me when he comes up with the banana nut duck bread recipe, and then I'll be there.
5: Duck bread?
1: Oh, it's a joke from a TV show.
5: Okay.
0: <laughs> I thought you were quacking up there, Angus. Oh, Always quacking up.
5: You can't hit me with these obscure pop culture references at 12, 13 a.m. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and since it is 12, 13 a.m., I think that's about it for this episode of Slime Time Side Quest. Thank you to our dear departed Matt Craft. He's not dead. He just left. Going to write his
1: fucking eulogy here. <laughs> He's
4: fine. I mean, just the
1: Just hey, a flesh rune.
0: Just a flesh wound. Uh, thanks, Jay, Blue Star, and Burian for joining us to talk about your favorite games from 2021. Metroid cool. good. Red Red good. good. Red Good. Red <laughs> <laughs> what, what, uh, yeah. Good. What's good thanks to you, Jay? For... <laughs> Final Fantasy Good. Final Fantasy Good. Uh Mandrake.
5: Mandrake, good.
4: Mandrake,
1: good. Yeah, thanks for uh, joining us tonight, guys. Uh, we'll see if we have any uh, crossover favorites when Platty and I uh, have a few more guests um, returning soon. for uh, part. Uh, they'll be returning to the show for part two soon, and I will reveal my top three of the year on that episode as well. Yeah, speaking of revealing things. Uh, Platty, we've been here long enough. I mean, have you seen the length of your notes compared to my craft's? Please don't repeat that joke from last year. Just
0: move along. Yeah,
1: yeah. Right, right. Okay, shorten this up.
0: Patreon Patreon is the root of all evil and sin in the world. Woodus, good. Go to Dragon Den. Dragon <laughs> Den, good. Buy your last minute Christmas gifts. Christmas gift, good. Amazon affiliate link on the den, good. You know, sex toys, good. You could probably buy them through the link. <laughs> what? Or, what? I was, or I was hoping I was or really whatever. And you were going to nope. say
1: that for the sex toy.
0: <laughs> Yep, nope. <laughs> we, click just Amazon link. It good. Not cost you
1: anything. Yangus, take it away. If you have Yengis suggestions could. which are good for a future side quest episode, which is also good, we'd be happy to hear from you. You can reach out uh, to Platy via Twitter, PlatyN3, Twitter, not good, or Discord, no, which is good, like or the yeah. Dragon's Den. You can also contact me, Yangus Legendary Bandit, not good. <laughs> on the <laughs> Dragon's Den via personal message or the Dragon's Den Discord. Uh, we, have a list <laughs> we have a list full of ideas. Um, some good, some bad. We'll see what happens. Some not good. I don't know. Most and okay. We'll be happy. <laughs> just, just okay. <laughs> it's a few that's just fine. Yeah, but yeah, well, if you have any suggestions for an episode or a topic you'd like us to cover, uh, let us know. We'd be happy to add it to the list. That's right. Good. 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 Bye, everyone.
5: Then good.
1: Side quest complete good.